The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles There he is, that's Tone. Welcome in, everybody. Good morning. Good morning, one and all. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Rob Ellis, Tone DeShields in for Gunner today. Good to have Tone hanging out with us. Tone, what's going on, my man? Oh, man, I feel great, man. Feels good to be with you today. It's a beautiful day here in Texas, man. I'm blessed by the best. I can't complain at all. Good, buddy. A lot to get to today. That's for sure. I uh, hope everybody yes, out there is doing great. I see you all in the chat. What's up, Daz? What is up, Fitness Rebel? Gorby, Tina, Tomas. How, how's everybody doing? Hope you're all doing well. Uh, and, and man, this is a tough day. This is a therapeutic sort of recovery kind of day after that Phillies heartbreak uh, that we experienced last night. That was... Man, that was tough. That was one of those tone. That was a gut punch. Feel sorry for yourself. Philadelphia, uh, the playoff gods are against us kind of game. When you have that thing at hand and you're cruising for nothing through five innings and you end up losing it. I mean, it would be a it was going to be a death knell throat punch if you were up 2-0 after that one last night. Well, you know, here's the thing, right? I mean, the reality is they they were able to split the they were able to split the road trip one and one. So I believe they ultimately accomplished their main goal. Obviously, winning the game, going back to Citizens Bank Park two and zero would be the much better situation to be in. But they've been here before. Last year, let's remember they were able to split again with the Atlanta Braves one and one. They won the first game, they lost the second game, just as they did this this year. Now, obviously, in game two last year, it was three zero shutout. Very right. different circumstances than being up 4-0 and then you end up blowing the game at the end. Um, very different circumstances, but still, I believe there's still a lot to be concerned about. Well, not concerned about. There's a lot to be excited about and positive about. But there are some things that did concern me about that matchup last night because some of the problems that occurred in that game were actually many of the issues that the Philadelphia Phillies have been dealing with all season. For example, leaving base runner stranded. Yep. Um, many infield errors, 
um, wasting great pitching, you know, by guys like Zach Wheeler, so on and so forth. So, again, those were some of the things that I was concerned about because we've seen this throughout the season and this in this Phillies team, as we thought, turned a corner. But, you know, again, they go back to Citizens being part one and one. Ultimately, they did their job and they still have home field advantage. Yeah, I think that the big thing is I really believe the players look at it like, yeah, it was tough, but you flush it. And we're going back to a place that's a madhouse. Um, you know, Bedlam, Bedlam at the bank is a real thing. And I think once that game starts tomorrow night, 5.07 starts an earlier one. Once that thing starts, you put that behind them. But I, I do think, like, there were a lot of things that went on in that game. There's, there's a, The whole discussion today is who do you blame, who do you blame, who do you blame? Look, I, I don't, I don't second-guess Rob Thompson for using um, Zach Wheeler, bringing him out there in the seventh. I really don't. Uh, my biggest pride, I, I blame the players, frankly, Tone. I mean, I don't know how Turner boots that easy, you know, relay throw coming in, which cost them the first run. Now you look at that and you say, all right, at that point, it's only four to one, but that can't happen. That's a little league kind of play. And he made an error earlier, which didn't cost them, but that can't happen. You're right about leaving the runners. I mean, they left 11 men on base. They were two for eight with runners in scoring position. That's on the players. You got to add on. You got to put them away early, not let them hang around, especially a dangerous team like that. And you got to execute pitches. You know, Wheeler, as great as he was, didn't execute a couple of pitches there. And and that's the sad part about this game, yeah. right? You can be you can be flawless. So, you know, it's the sad part, but it's also the most beautiful part about this game of baseball, right? It, but it depends on which, you know, if you're on the receiving end of it. You can you right. can pitch so well from innings one through seven. And then all of a sudden, if they if they send you out there for one inning too long, yeah, all of a sudden the game would just unravel on you. That's the beautiful part of the game, but it's also the ugly part of the game. And yeah. unfortunately, the Phillies were on the receiving end of the ugly part of the game. I agree with you. Look, I agree with you 100%. And it was – Look, I, and I'm not trying to minimize how much that one hurt. Like that, oh, no, you, hurt. Go, up, you hurt. go up 2-0, man, coming back to your place in a five-game series, that thing's a wrap. That is thing wrap. is over. Now Atlanta's got life. That's the biggest thing. Like I think the Phillies will be fine, but what you did was you gave Atlanta air now. Atlanta feels like, okay, we're not dead in, in the least. And, and now it goes back to Philly. You know, look, you still have home field advantage. There's three games left, two of them are at your place. That's really big. But you you let an, a golden opportunity slip away last night. There's no question about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I look at it like this. Again, um, it did not turn out the way that we would have liked it to turn out. But regardless, this team is filled with a – a lot of veterans. It's it, 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 it's a very blended roster of veterans and young guys. And I think I think guys like Bryce Harper, you know, Trey Turner, uh, even Schwarber, right? You know, they're going to make sure these guys, you know, are you know are ready to go. You know, the bottom line is they're one and one. They go back to Citizens Bank Park. We know how powerful it is to play at home for the Philadelphia Phillies. Ultimately, I think they end up winning this series. So um, I'm still I'm still very confident. Um, the game did provide some concerns, but overall. They get they have a day off in between. They get to they get to kind of you know decompress, unplug a little bit, and get back to what they do best. I think they'll be all right. Yeah, I do too. I I think the one of the great things about this group is all year they've been resilient. You yes, know, they have been a team that's fought back, and I think that's that trait uh, is real. And I think yeah. that's going to play into 
And look, you know, I, think, I, I think there's more pressure on the Braves. You know, sorry to cut you off, Rob, but yeah. I still think the pressure's on the Braves because, again, Phillies have home field advantage now, and the Braves are supposed to be the the better team. They're supposed to be the cream of the crop when it comes to the MLB. And for some reason, you know, they're able to do their thing in the, in the regular season to the Phillies. But in the playoffs, it seems like the Phillies have had their number as of late. So um, I think I, I think most of the pressure is on the Braves. What do you think? I do, too. I, look, I think ultimately when you're the – uh, the favorite, and you had home field advantage, and that home field advantage is taken away. And last year, you were the better team, and you lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I definitely think so. And, and look, the the, the 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 Phillies beat Atlanta's best pitcher already. They beat Strider. You know, I guess Atlanta looks at it like they beat Wheeler too um, last night. But but yeah. you, you you took Strider out. I I just think it's such a different atmosphere when you come to this place tomorrow night. And you can't solely rely on that if you're the Phillies, for sure. Now, what this game also does from a Philly standpoint is it, it, it turns it into a big-time Aaron Nola game. Like, this, there's a lot of pressure on Nola here to go out and deliver. And he's been good his last three outings. Um, but the question is, the adjustments they made, what they fixed with him, will that continue to carry over? And that's something else that you have to look at here, you know, if you're the Phillies. So I think – Look, I, I think Rob Thompson's the perfect guy because he's so steady. And I think these guys feed off of him, which I think will help. If he was a very emotional guy, I think it, it, it may not play in the Phillies' favor as much. But since he isn't, I think that goes a long way, too. And, and let's face it, guys like Harper, he's pissed off at himself. That was a base-running error that he made last night. It was an aggression error, but it was a base-running error. Turner's pissed off at himself. Uh, you know, other guys who had opportunities with runners in scoring position who didn't come through throughout the course of the night are pissed off. Like Schwarber's due for a home run. Like I think there's a lot of things at, at play for the Phillies, which which help. I really do. And I think the guy they're facing tomorrow night is not great. So they should be able to score some runs. Yeah, I can live with um, the Bryce Harper base run because that exact type of aggression is why the Philadelphia Phillies won game one. So, you know, I'm not going to want to pull him back off that ledge, right? I'd much rather have a guy um, that I have to slightly pull away from the ledge than have to push him to the ledge. I, I, you know, I I want guys to still have that fire in their belly. You know, this, you know, this is, this is the playoffs, baby. You know, this is red October. You know, you don't get to where you, you don't get to where you want to go by, by playing passive. So I want Bryce Harper to still keep his foot on the gas pedal and live with the results. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I mean, that's the thing. It's a fine line that you walk between, hey, man. Try not to be reckless, but we want you to keep being uber aggressive Bryce Harper. And like, I know I've heard a lot of people saying like, do you sit him down and talk to him? No, I don't think you talk no, to him. Man. No, he's, it's Bryce Harper. Man. He's, he's a, he's a grown ass man. Come <laughs> yes. on, man. Yeah. Come on now. <laughs> I'm not talking to Bryce Harper. And, you know, Bryce Harper knows what went down. He knows he, he, believe me, he's not unaware of, of his surroundings and what happened last night. And the reason you love him is because of the aggression, because of the no fear that he plays with, balls to the wall, all those kind of things. So I'm absolutely. not, I'm not even going there with him. So yeah, absolutely. We're going to talk to Greg Murphy coming up. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. 30. Yeah, yeah. Murph was there last night. We had, did the pre and post game show. So he'll give us the atmosphere too. That's the other thing, man. They, it was like a, a library in there in Atlanta last night. It was so mm-hmm. quiet. They thought they were dead and buried, and then all of a sudden you gave them a little bit of life, man. But they ain't heard nothing yet. They, they, I mean, they were there last year. They know what it sounds like for playoff baseball. And I got to imagine there's a little piece of Atlanta that's like, but oh, they, they know they like got the away with one. Like, though. Huh? They know they know they got away with one. I, if 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 I'm Atlanta, like you know, let's be honest, right? In the Philadelphia Eagles throughout the season, they know they've gotten away with a couple wins that should have been losses, right? Yeah. But you know, and 
you know, when you think about it from that perspective, it's hard to really revel in the win. So, sure, Atlanta, they won the game, but I think the Philadelphia Phillies are more prepared to win the war just from a mental standpoint. I think so too. Uh, I think that's a that's a really good point. I, how much do you buy like the momentum thing in sports in general? Like, obviously, Atlanta wins that last game, and you feel like there might be some kind of carryover. How big do you think that is? Or do you think once they either kick it off, you know, throw it up, or or throw that first pitch, it goes away? Momentum is so funny in sports because we've seen teams like the Washington Commanders, right? We've seen what they did with uh, against the Philadelphia Eagles. They took us to overtime. All of a sudden, the following week, <laughs> they get trounced. So it's yeah. like, how how powerful is momentum? I think it depends on the sport, and I think it depends on uh, how often you play. Uh, a game like baseball, it's such, a, it's such an emotional game. Like It's such a game that, that, that comes with so many ebbs and flows. It's it's kind of hard to put too much stock in momentum because it's really about who gives you their best on that particular day. I mean, I know for a fact, just, just me speaking of my personal life, yeah. I have, I have days where I'm great. Mm-hmm. And then tomorrow I may not feel great. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's just, it's just momentum is such a tricky thing in sports. Mm-hmm. Um, some argue it's overrated. Some argue it doesn't get talked about enough. It's kind of hard, man. It's, it, it's, it's not an exact science, you know, for being yeah. honest. Yeah, no, I think it's fair. I, I think it's definitely fair. All right, Eagles-wise, off today. Tuesday's uh, generally on a normal week when you play on a Sunday. Uh, Tuesday is your off day. And, you know, we haven't had a chance to, to talk to you about it, Tone. So we're, we're five in, and I'm, I'm going to be curious to get your reaction. So at, at 1130, uh, we're going to look at last year's numbers versus this year through five games. I think you might be surprised at some things, but I'm, I'm just curious. Just give me your overview here, you know, from, from a thousand feet, what you think of what's happening with the Eagles thus far this year after the five and zero start. Well, I think things started off a bit rocky in terms of play calling, right? You know, we had questions about what this offensive identity would be, you know, under Brian Johnson. Um, obviously Shane Steichen had this offense firing on all cylinders last year, but um, you bring in the, uh, you bring in the new coordinator. I mean, he's already was here, but you, you elevated him to offensive coordinator. And, uh, you know, we all thought we wouldn't necessarily miss a beat in terms of offensive production. Yeah. And when you just look at the box scores and just look at the total yardage, you would think, Oh, this offense hasn't missed a beat. But when you actually watch the games, um, we've had concerns about sequencing and, um, you know, uh, adjustments and uh, red zone efficiency, uh, most notably, right? And, you know, through, through those first, I want to say, through those first four and a half games, mm-hmm. we questioned if this offense had any flow. At least, at least I did, right? You know, I didn't see an offense that really had flow. Yeah. Um, on the defensive side, um, defensive line has been tremendous. The linebackers have been playing much better than we thought they would play. Um, the questions have really been on the back end. The Eagles are one of the worst teams in, in terms of pass defense, but they had one of their better games against the Rams. But, you know, overall, they're 5-0. and And I'm excited about where they're going because at the end of the day, you're 5-0. On top of that, you're not really playing your best football, and right. there's still room to grow. There's still room to improve. You know, you have teams who are firing, firing on all cylinders, like the Miami Dolphins, right, or like the 49ers, right? They're 5-0, and but they're going crazy, putting up 30 and 40 balls left and right. But is that sustainable for, is that sustainable for a 17-game stretch, right? I question that a little bit. But, you know, with the, uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles, I think they're slowly 
beginning to figure out what this offense is supposed to look like. Think about that Rams matchup, man. That was the that was the best or most that was the best called game that we've seen Brian Johnson have uh, throughout, uh, throughout any of the five games that we've seen. So overall, I'm encouraged by where this team is. I think they did exactly what they were supposed to do during this stretch of the season. Take care of the lesser opponents so you can give yourself some breathing room when you go up against the big dogs. Yeah, I, I like I'm. I went into the season. Frankly, I didn't think they'd be five and zero. I thought they would have slipped up somewhere, but I went into the season thinking it was going to take them a minute to kind of catch their 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 you know their their momentum. Yeah, and I think part of it was new to uh, new to two new coordinators. Easy for me to say. Uh, I think part of it was you have a bullseye on your back. We know the tradition of how difficult it is to repeat. So I gave them a little bit of leeway early where I think a lot of people had them at like six and oh, and, and those people may be right, by the way, mm-hmm. um, before it got really tough with Miami starting in, you know, in two weeks. But I, I'm with like, I think you made a lot of good points here. Like what we're seeing is even though they're, they're, they're sort of getting their traction a little bit, they're able to do it while still winning. And that's a special trait. Like a lot of teams, if they're not on their A game, aren't going to win. The Eagles can play almost like a B-level game and still win. The other part is the Eagles can have already shown you they can beat you pounding it down your throat. They can beat you throwing it. Mm-hmm. They can beat you stuffing your run. They can beat you any number of different ways. And, and they have that trait of knowing how to win. And I think that's big because you see teams blow it every single week in this league where they're not ready. The other part is this coach always has them prepared. He always does. Yeah, absolutely. You know, another thing, right, uh, as far as the offense goes, uh, you know, we talk about offensive struggles and, you know, the struggles have more so been with the play calling, right, and, you know, they're winning in spite of that. But I think this is something to note, right? Even though Jalen Hurts earlier on, he didn't necessarily look how we thought he would look. You know, he turned the ball over more times. Uh, He's turned the ball over at least equal to or more times than he has in the whole season, you know, compared to last season. Um. But here's the thing that we need to keep in mind as well, right? We know this is how I know Jalen Hurts isn't really the problem or wasn't the problem because I think Brian Johnson is turning the corner. This is how we knew Jalen Hurts wasn't the problem, right? Game one, New England, 66% completion percentage. Game two, Minnesota, 78% completion percentage. Tampa Bay, 62% completion percentage. Washington, 67% completion percentage. Rams, 65% completion percentage. On the season, he's completing 67% of his passes. So that tells me Jalen Hurts is, is is completing at minimum six to seven out of 10 of his total passes to his skill position guys. Yep. So he's seeing he he it's 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 not a it's it's not a regression issue with him, right? To me, it just looked like a guy who's trying to figure out what the expectations are in this offense, you know, trying yeah. to get used to playing with this contract, trying to get used to the flow that Brian Johnson is, is, is trying to establish. I don't see a guy who's regressed. I see a guy who's going through growing pains with a new coordinator, and that's to be expected, right? I mean, when you check, like, people underestimate how important it is to have that same voice, you know, telling you, you know, what they want from you, right? Just yeah. think about it in business. You know, you you work with somebody for however long you work with them, and yeah. you're, used to, you're used to their flow, Used to how they want things done. And all of a sudden, a new guy comes in. And he said, "Look, this is what we're doing. This is how I want it done." And it, it, it takes you some time to adjust. You know, you may have some hiccups along the way, but overall, I feel like Jalen Hurts has weathered the storm. And if you look at these games, 
he's getting better and better in terms of delivering the ball from point A to point B. Um, again, week one, 170 passing yards. Week two, 193 passing yards. Week three, 277. Uh, week four, 319. And then week five, 303. So you can clearly see the passing game is starting to come together. And we first saw it in the second half of that Washington game. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that that we were a lot of us, and I I I lumped me into it too. We thought the offense wouldn't skip a beat. These guys are human, you know, and and I think one of the great things for Jalen last year was he finally had the same coordinator in consecutive seasons. He hadn't had that dating back to high school. So yeah, you lose Shane Steichen, who by the way, who's proving himself to be a pretty good head coach so far. Right. The guys the guy knows what the heck he's doing. But you lose somebody like that. Let's also give Brian Johnson a little bit of rope here because Brian Johnson, even though he had been with Jalen and been a hot commodity, it, it takes a minute to, to, to figure everything out on the fly. There's a man, this stuff's happening pop, 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 like that during the game to be able to play call and get a sense for things. So I think both guys have grown already uh, through five weeks. And this is the time you want them growing. You don't want to see growing pains in week 12 and week 14. Right, right. So you're seeing it now. You're seeing some baby steps, and they're, they're, they're starting to run now a little bit, like the last two weeks. And I just think that the fact that you can – Jalen also got back to looking really good running for whatever reason. I don't know what was going yeah. on earlier in the season. Um, but that – and you can run. And Swift's been a – I don't know if pleasant surprise is the right word, but he's been better than I imagined he would be. You know I mean, what I you know you know what I think it was? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you mentioned about Jalen and the running. You know what I think? I think they had a I think they had a come to Jesus conversation and say, you know what? We're handicapping this guy by telling yeah. him to but by telling him to slide early or, or or whatever they told him. We're handicapping this guy. And and I'll be the first one to admit throughout the offseason, I was one of the people who campaigned for Jalen Hurts to run less. Yeah. Because I was expecting, you know, in my opinion, as you develop as a quarterback. The passing becomes the passing improves, and eventually your athleticism is start is going to start to decline as you get older. So I think naturally your passing should uh, progress, and your running um, should regress in terms of how much you run. And we clearly see that there's a there's a hiccup in his game. He can't really play instinctually, right, yeah. or 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 instinctively. Um, now where I am with Jalen Hurts, I want Jalen Hurts to go out there and cook and be Jalen Hurts. I don't care how he does it. I want Jalen Hurts to go out there and do his thing. I'm 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 past the I'm past the point of hey, listen, we got to protect this guy. I'm past that point because when you like when you see how he played that game against the LA Rams, the Philadelphia Eagles are damn near indefensible. You know because you have to. You know how many times he broke their back on third down? Oh yeah, he he broke their back so many times on third and long. Yeah. I'm past the point with Jalen Hurts. We got to protect him. I want that young man to go out there and do his thing. Because if he's out there second guessing, the other the, the rest of the team is going to start second guessing. I agree. There's, I mean, that's something figured out. You make a great point. Like th that's the biggest thing with a scramble. It could be five yards, it could be four yards, it could be seven yards. But if you feel like you have coverage downfield, mm -hmm. you got this guy pinned in, and he somehow escapes, and he gets just enough to get that first down, man. That what a what a mental mind game that plays with with a with a defense. It, it's a killer. It really is. That's a killer hurdle to have to overcome. Yeah. Like I'm with you, Tone. I think there's a fine line. Like, yeah. What do you run? I don't like, I don't like quarterback design runs though. No, I don't, I like don't need a ton of those. Like I, I don't like I, those. I ideally, want him to go out there and just read and I'm do his you. thing. I'm with you. Um, ideally I like him around the eight, nine range in terms of uh, attempts. 
Now he had to he, a couple times he had to get out of jams, and his his rushing attempts were pretty high against the Rams. Yeah. Okay, that's the most fine. He ran. It's the most he's ran all season. 15 yeah, it was attempts, seventeen. I think it was. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, fifteen attempts, seventy-two uh, yards. Um, yeah, that's probably a lot. You know what I mean? Like, I'd like to see that trim down five, six, somewhere around there. Okay. Um, but I also don't want to all of a sudden put handcuffs on this dude and 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 take away an element that he does so well. You just can't do it. But the the smart thing is if you're going to call the design draws and some of the other stuff, just pick and choose your spots. Don't fall. I thought sometimes last year it's hard to really criticize anything they did offensively, but. At times, I thought they went a little overboard with some of the called runs, and and that's all. But I but I certainly don't also like. I, I really liked what Nick Sirianni said after Jalen signed his contract extension. He said, "Look, um, you know, one of the reasons why he's been as successful as he is is because he's that dual threat, and we're not taking that away from him. And I agree with that. I mean, I, I like I said, I think there's a smart way to go about it, and I think the Eagles are figuring out that formula right now. I think they went too far." the other way early in the year. And I think they, you know, Sunday was just a byproduct of having to run a little bit more, but I think they're going to find a happy medium. Look this week, man, we'll get into the jets pretty heavy later in the week, but this is a legit defense. Say whatever you want about Zach Wilson in the offense. This is a good defense across the board. Their defensive line's good. Their linebackers are good. And their secondary's good. Eagles offense is going to have to be darn near their a game to have success against this jets team. Now, what you hope is, the defense puts you in good positions because they will either sack or turn over Zach Wilson. That's what you hope. But make no mistake, this is going to be a challenge for the Eagles' offense. The Jets are a good defensive team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Eagles are definitely going to have to be on their P's and Q's um, offensively. But if I'm being completely honest with myself, um, I'm not really concerned about this game. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles went up against a stout defense in Tampa Bay, in my right. humble opinion, and they did their thing. The Los Angeles Rams, um, believe it or not, uh, they were considered to be a pretty good defensive team on paper. Right. Um, so I'm, and then Washington, right? Washington, they have they have talent on that deep, you know, in, you know, in that front seven. So I'm not really concerned um, about the New York Jets. If I'm being honest, if Aaron Rodgers was there, I, yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I I'm would be. I'm but, not concerned know, about the game. No. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's, it's just like I, I, I look at it like this, right? Yeah, the Jets, you know, they had that defense, but, you know, can they consistently put up points, right? Can Zach Wilson – you can make an argument. This is going to be the uh, the scariest defensive front that Zach Wilson is going to face, um, you know, throughout the season or even – so or or thus far, rather. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm not too concerned about this game. I'm not overlooking the opponent, but um, I think the Eagles have everything they need to win this game. And if I'm not mistaken, this is what uh, – is this a, a – this is a road game? It's a road game. Yeah. It's a road game. Okay. Eagles are in New York, in, in North Jersey. Yep. Okay. So, I mean, not that far from the neck of the woods. No, no. This is a bus ride. This is, yeah. A bus. It's a bus. It's a bus ride. And then and they've never you know, lost the Jets in their history, FYI, for whatever that's worth. Yeah. And then another thing, man, you know, I know, I, I know this isn't sexy or this isn't about the X's and O's, but I don't know, man. Like when I watch Jalen Hurts play, I feel like the Eagles, I feel like the Eagles are in every game. I firmly believe like, that's just how I feel internally. Yeah. I, I feel like every game is winnable with Jalen Hurts because of his approach to the game, the moxie, mm-hmm. you know, his, you know, his mentality, you know, his, his demeanor. He just stays calm all the time, even in the face of adversity. You know, think about yesterday, think about on Sunday, right? You know, Nick Sirianni was fired up. Jason Kelsey was fired up. I heard Devontae Smith was fired up a little bit as well. You know, these guys understand what's at stake here. 
you know, guys like Jason Kelsey and Nick Sirianni, they understand that the attention to detail was even is more important than ever because we can't afford to be lackluster, especially in the red zone when these big dogs come up like the Dolphins, um, like the Bills, like the Chiefs, like the Cowboys. They can't afford to just keep settling for field goals. So they understand what's at stake. And, you know, I firmly believe this roster, this team truly believes in their quarterback. They believe in what he's selling, unlike what's going on in Dallas right now. The Dallas Cowboys, they're completely disjointed. You know, the, that loss to the 49ers, it sent the it threw a monkey wrench in their whole operation. Now you now you have guys questioning coaching staff, questioning their quarterback, questioning their offensive identity. Despite the hiccups that the Philadelphia Eagles have dealt with, not once had they looked at their quarterback or questioned the coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with the Eagles. You don't worry about that kind of stuff, like the yeah. inner turmoil, you, you know, whatever. You don't you don't sweat that kind of stuff with them. You know, yeah. I mean, with, with the Cowboys, you feel like it, it could come apart at the seams at any time. It, it, it's just a – you know, it's a landmine. You're 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 waiting to dodge there, but I don't I don't buy any of that stuff Absolutely. Uh, with the Eagles. All right, let's get a timeout here, Tony. I I I dug up last year's numbers: offense, points per game, rushing, passing, defense. Same thing. Let's see where they compare through five games with where they were last year. Are they way off? Are they pretty close? We'll dig into all of that when we come back. Don't go anywhere. He's Tony to Shields in for Gunner today. I am Rob Ellis. Let's talk a little Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Yes, Bravo Pizza of Havertown. You know it's my place. I've been going there since I was a kid. They've been family-owned since 1985. you got Alex and the crew there just cranking out unbelievable food options for you each and every day. 20 different styles of pizza. They have slices to go. I get the grandma. Uh, they have the you name it, they'll make it. Specialized pizza your way. But it's not just pizza. They have fresh pasta. They have sandwiches, wraps, wings, salads. Bravo Pizza of Havertown is also committed to the community. They have fundraisers for charities, for schools, for little leagues, where the proceeds go to those organizations. You can follow them at the Bravo Pizza of on Instagram and Facebook for daily specials, promotions, uh, menu, you name it. They're at 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. Give them a call, 610-446-3810, 646-3810. Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Take a look. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there, and it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Go to get your game on. Go for the...
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Appreciate it. That is Tone in for Gunner today. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. Let's smash the like button, friends. We would appreciate it if you get on a little run there. All right, Tone, let's look uh, at the Eagles this year, just statistically compared to what they were last year. All right. Okay. Um, and again, five game sample size compared to 17. Understood. But this is regular season, not postseason last year. All right. So last year, let's start on the offensive side. All right. The Eagles were scoring 28.1 points per game, 28.1, which was good for third in the NFL last year. Okay. All right. This year, what do you think? What do you, off the top of your head, what do you think they're scoring this year? Oh, I want to say they're hanging around 26, 27. They're 28.2. Believe it or not, they're scoring more points this year than they were last year per game. Now, this year, that only ranks you fifth, where last year it had you third. But I think they, I think that Dolphins game, man, like, it's, it's like certain games that kind of like there are so many outlier games this year. You know what I mean? But it, it's still a good number. You're top five in scoring despite your struggles. Yeah, I mean, you're still good. And, you know, that's the thing. It doesn't I agree with you. Like if, if I just blindly said I they're probably scoring like 26, 27, I would have thought they were less than last year. I mean, it's, it's almost identical. It's 28.2, 28.1. But nonetheless, we looked at them last year as this offensive machine that just ripped through people. Right. Mm-hmm. 
well, they're, they're scoring a good amount of points this year too, um, this offensive unit. They've done it a little differently. It maybe doesn't look as smooth as it looked last year, but nonetheless, that's where they are through five games. All right, rushing game. So last year, Tone, they were averaging still pretty darn good, 147.6, which was fifth in the NFL. What do you think they're at this year? Rushing yards per game offensively. Uh, 160. One close 164. Okay. Second. I mean, that's a, that's pretty significant. I mean, they're averaging about 17 more yards per game on the ground uh, than they were last year. You know, we kind of went into this year saying, all right, it's going to be by committee. We don't know exactly who's going to be. Well, Swift has really emerged as the lead dog um, with this. Let me ask it. Do you worry about overuse with him considering his injury history? I mean, we have to keep it in mind, but yes, I, I worry. I worry, but again, you know, I'm of that mindset. When the game starts, I'm not worried about that. You know what I mean? Like it's it's you know like that that that, that kind of talk is kind of reserved for Monday through Saturday, right? Um, but once Sunday comes, I want the best guys on the field in the most high leverage situations, and I'm not worried about if they're going to get hurt or not. The only if there's anybody I'm worried about getting hurt is probably the quarterback, depending on how, you know because Jalen Hurts had his one run where I thought his knee just blew. <laughs> but, yeah. But yeah. nonetheless, though, um, DeAndre Swift. I mean, you know, let's. Let's really put this in perspective, man. DeAndre Swift has given the Philadelphia Eagles some, you know, some pretty great production right now. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, through through five games, he has over 500 yards from scrimmage, and he's averaging just under six yards per carry. And I want to, I want, I want to really put this in perspective for Eagles fans because a lot of people, you know, when we when we moved on from uh, Miles Sanders, pe- some people were split on it. You know, I knew people personally that, you know, that were, that were really upset that Miles Sanders didn't come back. And I told people the Eagles don't do business that way. They're not going to pay a running back that kind of money. And, you know, just, you know, just to add more context to the conversation, Miles Sanders is, is right now on the season only has 190 rushing yards compared to DeAndre Swift's 434. And on top of that, Miles Sanders is only averaging three yards a carry and, in his last game, to make matters even worse for him, seven carries, thirty-two yards, a one fumble, and a uh, and one fumble loss. I don't think the Philadelphia Eagles are thinking about Miles Sanders in the slightest. No. Um, Howard Roseman continues to do amazing work with that running back position in terms of just finding diamonds in the rough and putting those guys in position. But also on top of that, it's showing us that that offensive line is really the catalyst behind the way things get done. But overall, Miles. Um, but overall. DeAndre Swift, I'm I'm really impressed with what he's done. I'm not worried about his injuries right now. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles have one of the best um, training staffs uh, in the NFL. I know the injury bug has bit the defensive side of the ball more than anything, um, but I'm, I'm I'm not concerned, man. I'm 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 really I'm really happy with what DeAndre Swift has given us. And on top of that, they're using him a lot more in the passing game, as we saw in that Rams matchup. All right, let's pick it up. Stay on the offensive side. Let's look at the passing yards per game. Uh, Eagles in 2022 averaged 241 and a half per game. That was good for ninth. Okay. 241 and a half, which was ninth. Would you say they're over that or under that this year? 241 and a half per game. Ooh, um, I want to say they're just over that. Um, Jalen Hurts has had a couple back to back 300 yard games. Um, I, I, I want to say they're just over that. I want right, to say, okay, 250, 250 per game. Okay. 
they're they're slightly under, slightly. They're averaging 240.4 as opposed to 241.5, so about a yard less per game. So they're right there. Now, that got you ninth best last year. It gets you 10th best this year. It just shows you, like, teams are scoring more. Teams are doing a little bit more offensively in the early going. I think that'll settle down a little bit um, as the season goes on. But yeah, yeah, and also to put it in perspective as well, right now, um, because I think what you I, I, I looked a little deeper. I think that number is the net passing yards. That doesn't, you know, that accounts for the loss of yards, all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, Jalen Hurts currently is on pace to throw for 4,200 yards. So that's we're going to see if that holds true. We never mm-hmm. really know. Um, but the passing game, you know, it struggled, you know, early on in the season. It's, it's, it's starting to come around two back to back 300 yard games. Um, Jalen Hurts is throwing the ball more. Um, he has, um, I, I think he has like four games or three games where he's throwing the ball over 30, 35 times or something like that. So, um, you know, I'm not really too concerned about the pass yards. When it comes to Jalen Hurts, I'm content with him through, I'm, I'm totally content with him having 220, 240 passing yards, 60 rushing yards, because that, that's his game. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I agree. And and again, the point is, as much as we were concerned about the passing offense, you know, it's not that far off from where it was last year. So if you look at it, it just looks different. It just looks different. He looks, he does. He looks different. Your eyeballs are telling you something different. Um, Points per game, passing yards, very similar. They're, they're much improved rushing. So, I mean, like if you're checking boxes, you probably go give a lean to 2023 so far with what they're doing offensively. Now, let, let's go to the other side. Let's go defensively. Points per game. All right, last year they gave up 20.2, 20.2, okay? Tied for sixth best in the NFL. This year they're at 20.8, but that moves them all the way down to 11th. It's hmm. not bad. Okay. I mean, if you're holding teams to 20, with this offense, if you're holding teams to 20 points or less, you should win every game. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're probably going to be in good shape. I think Jim Johnson used to want to hold teams to 17, but with this offense, if you hold oh, that, yeah, 20, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a better number for sure. Yeah, that's very good. But you, if you hold a team to 20 in this day and age with this offense, I'm, I agree with you. You should be okay. But th- very close, 20.8 compared to 20.2. Okay. Uh, there's a massive difference in the in the next two categories. Yeah. This is where we're – Last year separates from this year. This year separates from last year. Okay, let's go to the rushing game. This is defense, mind you. All right, last year, they gave up 121.6 on the ground, which was 16th, very middle of the pack, okay? This year, 61.2. Totally different outlet. Totally different. Best in the NFL. That is massive. 60 less yards per game on the ground is big time. Okay, that's big time. This the, these defensive tackles with the kids, with Carter and Davis, with with Fletcher Cox and Milton Williams, have just been awesome in terms of just nullifying and making teams one dimensional. Yeah, it just speaks to how bad Jerron Hargrave was in run defense, and yep. on top of that, you know, it speaks to how far along Jordan Davis has came or has yep. come. Yep. Uh, and you know, it just speaks to just how dynamic Jalen Carter is, you know, right. He not, he not only is a tremendous pass rusher, he's so stout and 
you know, in defending the run. And on top of that, you know, it's not just those guys as well. The guys on the edge are playing a lot better. You know, they're holding, you know, they're holding the edge a lot better. And the linebackers are playing the run. Like, I mean, in so many plays I've seen Anthony Murrow and Zach Cunningham, they're just in the action. You know, yeah. they just, you know, they're just, you know, just, you know, just, you know, reading the gaps and just, you know, th- this team is responding a lot better to the run, but you know, it starts with those big boys up front. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It does. No question. And, and maybe you give Desai some credit, you know, um, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, you know, that's a good point. It, it could be a philosophy change as well. You never yeah. know. I, you know, I, I was surprised by this. So they, they blitzed about 30% of the, uh, of the game on Sunday. Wow. Um, against the Rams, so it's yeah. I think he's 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 gone a little bit harder on that end of it than maybe Gannon did. They're never going to be a, a heavy blitz team, nor should they, because they have a really good defensive line. But he's, I think he's been a little bit more aggressive um, than we've seen from Jonathan Gannon. Put his own twist on it, as you you want that guy to be to do that kind of thing. Yeah, I uh, think he's I think he's a guy. You know, the 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 vibe I've got from Decide over the past five games is I'm going to do what it takes to win this game. I don't really care about trends or what we used to do or whatever it is. You know, to me, he looks like a guy that like for per, the perfect example was the Rams game. That first half pass defense. And I know you're about to bring up pass defense now. Yeah. Um, first half pass defense was putrid. Second half out of nowhere. It was like they were a totally different um, team. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes back to, you know, what Sean Desai was asking of them and also some personnel switches, uh, some personnel switches in the slot. Um, Overall, man, I think Sean, I've really been impressed with Sean Desai overall. Because yeah. he's dealt with a lot of injuries on that side of the ball, and he still managed to weather the storm and still keep his guys, um, you know, focused and locked in. And like I said, that second half, man, that's the best that pass defense has looked. And we thought they were going to – that's the best – think about this. It's the best quarterback they've gone up against since Patrick yep. Mahomes. Yep. Um, they going, they went up against an all-pro wide receiver um, in, uh, in Cooper Cup. This this kid, Puka Nako, uh, Nakua, is the, is the hottest thing moving right now. Yep. They could have they had some real issues. Oh, yeah. But they managed the weather storm, man. I agree. I, I that it had uh, you know, you're gonna have to put up 40 points written all over it, and they yeah. adjusted very well. All right, th- this Sunday aside, this is the worrying some stat here. All right. Mm-hmm. So last year the Eagles were number one in passing defense, uh 179.8 yards per game, number one in, in football. This year, 25th, mm-hmm. 247.1. That's a that's a major major difference there. What do you uh, think is the stark difference though in the defenses right now? Because you well, still have you still have Slay, you still have Bradbury. Yeah. Um. Obviously, you're obviously Marcus Epps and CJ Garner Johnson aren't there. Um. And that's a big deal. Avante um, too. Avante's not there as well. Um. What do you think has been? And obviously, you got a new coordinator. What do you think has been the stark difference between then and now? Because the, the scheme is pretty similar. Yeah, I think it's I think it's the three things that you pointed out. I think CJ GJ not being there is a big deal. I think Epps, while he while he's never going to be confused for a, for an All Pro, is is a solid, you know, player that you don't have to worry about necessarily. I think losing those two guys and then Avante Maddox on top of it, Avante Maddox was a way bigger injury than people accounted for, um, and I think they're still trying to figure that out. You know, I give Bradley Roby credit. Yeah, you know, he he stepped in in a difficult circumstance. I know Gunner said, you know, with his sources that he talked to that, you know, he wasn't quite in football shape yet, which is understandable. You know, he's been sitting out for the last few weeks. But think about this. He got targeted six times. He allowed uh, two receipt, two receptions minus four yards like he did the job. He came in and did a good job. He clearly stemmed, you know, some of the bleeding here that, that was going on in that game while the coaches made adjustments, too. But he deserves a lot of credit. 
and I think if they can get him up to speed, I made the the analogy yesterday. Maybe he's Patrick Robinson from from. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. That was a good that was a good pull by you because yeah, um, you know, it's so funny, right? Even during the Super Bowl season, when the Eagles won in 2017, going into the you know 2018 Super Bowl, technically, but even in that season, right? I don't think any of us really thought that was a Super Bowl roster at the time. At the time, right? And that sure thing swing your way. Um, and obviously they caught momentum, and then you know it got to a point in the season where you say, yeah, maybe this team can win it all. Yeah. But still, right? We've been disappointed so many times before, and we've seen better. We've had better rosters, and still haven't been able to get the job done, right? So my point in saying all that is that Eagles roster last year may have been more loaded on the defense side of the ball. Maybe they've been, maybe they were better in certain stat categories. Yeah. But sometimes you can have a lesser roster and have greater success. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like for example, yeah, the, the sum of the parts is greater than. Yeah. 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 You know, it's, um, I, I don't really, it, it, it's something you can't really quantify, but you know, I'll put it in perspective like this, you know, the Eagles schedule was significantly harder this year than it was last year. Right. That's so, true. So it's, it's it's easy to get fat off of those pass defense stats, you know, when you're not going to be going up against too many top tier quarterbacks. Um, but, you know, at the same time, look at it like this. Right. Jalen Hurts, you know, he could act. He could get he can improve as a quarterback. But the Eagles may have a lesser record. Right. They may be 12 and four or I'm sorry, uh, 12 and five or. 13 and four instead of being 14 and three, right? You know, your record isn't always indicative of how good you really are. Sometimes, you know, a monster meets a bigger monster, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So I think all things considered, based on what we've seen from this Philadelphia Eagles team, they're trending in the direction that we want. We see them improving every single week. You know, there would, it would be a problem if things were getting worse every week, you know, right? But they're getting better every week. It seems like the, the things are starting to slow down for Jalen Hurts. It seems like everyone's starting to really understand what's being asked of them. They just got to get healthy. And I think, honestly, I think after I think after that bye week, I think the Eagles are going to be clicking on all cylinders. Well, I think you make a good point too. Um, you know, you have to take everything into account. I, I, granted, they haven't played the really hard part of the schedule yet. Right. But last year's schedule was, let's face it, it wasn't nearly as challenging as this one you know, is um, you've, you've, you take on a Rams team that does have Stafford, that does have cup, that does have Puka Atua, who, who was, uh, you know, uh, setting basically, you know, you know, NFL marks through the first four games, mm-hmm. you, you face Mike Evans, you know, you you face some teams with some guys who, who can, who can get after it. You're short there a little bit because of some of the guys that walked and you also had some injuries. So all these things have to take into account. I want to swing back to something I was talking about with the defensive line. So, so Pro Football Focus put out their uh, their rookie D tackle grades, and I said yesterday I'm lifting the rookie part from anything when it comes to Jalen Carter because I think he is just right, that guy. Right. That Very boy's tough. a dog. <laughs> but let me just give you what what PFF has for him in ter- in terms of where he ranks with the rookie D tackles. All right, graded out overall, he's first. Sacks, he's first. Pressures, he's first. That's 23 pressures, by the way, three and a half sacks. Uh, win rate. In other words, how many times he's beating his man? 20.9 first. So he's first overall, first in sacks, first in pressures, and first in win rate. You know, like, again, I, I think he's got a really good chance to win defensive rookie of the year. I also think, Tone, he's got a shot to be a pro bowler. With yeah, the way he's man. Playing. This dude, Jalen Carter, man, three and a half sacks through his first five games, four tackles for loss, 
uh, two forced fumbles, and he's a he he's a gamer. He's a you know what that Rams matchup told me a lot about him, and this is why he's been compared to Aaron Donald all throughout you know these first five games in mm-hmm. terms of quarterback in, in terms of pass rush win, win rate and you know quarterback uh, hurries and hits and all that kind of stuff. He's yeah. been right there with Aaron Donald, and he's played significantly less snaps, right? So when you're constantly being compared to a guy like that, they want to see how you guys fare, especially when you're on the same field playing at the same time. So we saw Aaron Donald. You know, we know what Aaron Donald's resume is, but I'm talking about on that day alone. Yeah. We saw Aaron Donald pretty much get shut down by a backup right guard in Sue Opeta. Obviously, Kelsey and Lane, you know, helped. But it was plenty of times where Sue Opeta was on the island with Aaron Donald, and Aaron Donald was a non-factor. He ended up leaving that game with only one quarterback hurry and nothing else. Jalen Carter, when he had his opportunity to shine in L.A. under the bright lights with, you know, uh, one of the best D tackles on the other side of the field watching him play, he, he shined two sacks, right, two impactful sacks, and was just wreaking havoc through and through. Jalen Carter showed up when it mattered most, he, he, showed, he showed up when one of the best was on the other side of the field. He showed up when Fletcher Cox was out. He had to he had to play more snaps. So that tells me he knows how to elevate his game when asked upon. That, 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 that speaks volumes to me. You know how many guys that when you actually put the pressure on them, they kind of shrink a little bit? Mm-hmm. That man was built for the big time. And on top of that, all the off-the-field stuff that people talked about all offseason, oh, he's not a hard worker, he doesn't take the game serious, all that kind of stuff. The way that boy been talking, the way that boy been playing, man, I don't. I see the complete opposite. I see somebody who's locked in on the game. I see a guy who understands the Philadelphia culture. I see a guy who understands what's being asked of him. And, again, he's only five games in to his career. He doesn't even, he doesn't even know what he doesn't know yet. Well, Think that, about that's that. the other – yeah, he's still learning. Like, granted. He came into the league very NFL ready. It's it's clear. This very dude, NFL ready. Blue chip easily. Yeah. Like he's crazy talented. He was clearly coached well because he's got so many moves. Like so many moves. There's not much not to love. And I know like here's the thing that happens sometimes. Teams always say all the right things. Oh, he's been a great presence around the team and blah, blah, blah. And you say to yourself, okay, is that really what's happening? But we know, Tone, some stuff would have come out had we heard about him either being a diva or difficult or a problem child so far, Mm -hmm. like hopefully what went down, you know, at the end of his career, after his playing career at Georgia, but before getting drafted, hopefully that was the wake up call to this guy. And he is just a, a much different man. And he approaches things differently. All I know is if you're just talking about pure talent, you can make a case. He's the most talented guy that came out of the draft. I know we're quarterback nuts. But I'm just telling you, find no, me someone no no who's, who's been find me somebody who's been more impactful at their position so far. If there was a redraft, he would go number one overall. Let's be totally honest. You know, it's here's my thing, man. He couldn't have landed. You know, this can't be understated. Jalen Carter couldn't have landed in a better situation. He's in Philadelphia, a winning culture, right? He has veterans but not just any kind of veterans he has he had he has a veteran in Fletcher Cox that's that's played this game at the highest of high levels he's surrounded by Super Bowl champions guys who've made it to the promised land guys who knows what it looks like to be great knows what it feels like to be great um on top of that uh he got drafted with his homeboy Nolan Smith and he's surrounded by his other Georgia Bulldogs as well like he's just in uh he's in the incubator he's in the perfect situation to help him reach his full potential yeah 
Yeah. He's in the best position to, to, to make him thrive, to help him thrive. And, and again, when I say, you know, he, he's, he's had more of an impact than anybody else. Other guys have played well. CJ Stroud has done a nice job. Anthony yeah. Richardson's done a nice Dijon's job. He's played pretty well. Yeah. I like Witherspoon, the kid out of Seattle. Like, it's not like everybody's been a bust in front of him. And that just speaks to how good he's been. Mm-hmm. He's been that good. So, right. look, man, uh, and he, he isn't even playing, you know, a huge amount of snaps either yet. Just wait till right. that becomes the case. And D tackle is not a sexy position. You know what I mean? No, it's like, not. It's, it's like least, all those other guys play the sexy positions, you know, yes. corner. The edge and, is sexy. And, Defensive yeah, tackle yeah. is not. Yeah. It's an ugly position, man. And yeah. those guys get down in the mud and he's just, you he flashes off. He jumps off the page. He jumps off yeah. the screen when he plays, man. Yeah. Yeah. And it's rare that you find tackles that young who can also get to the quarterback so well. And that's him too. And that's, yeah. it was weird. Like Davis didn't play a lot of snaps last week and I don't, whatever, maybe it was something in the matchup they saw. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I would like to see the him get back to, it was weird because especially with Fletcher Cox out, but I would like to see him get back to, you know, kind of where things were earlier in the season for him also, because I just think these two together, <clears throat> man, are just such beasts. I mean, it is going to be fun to watch for a long time. All right, we'll come back. We're going to look at the positives, tone, and the negatives of what we've seen so far, what we like, what we feel good about as they embark on the, the really difficult part after this week, and then, you know, as far as the negatives. We'll, we'll dive into both of those things. Uh, coming up at 1230, Greg Murphy, who does the Phillies pre- and post-game shows on radio. We'll talk to him about that devastating loss last night, what kind of shape he thinks they're going to be in for tomorrow. We'll do our full-blown NFL segment. There are some significant NFL injuries, Tone, in that segment to talk about, like some Absolutely. big names, man, which we will, including a Jet, which we'll dive into uh, when we come back. So he's Tone to Shields. In for Gunner today, I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. I want to tell you right now about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group. In fact, I, I reached out to Jim about a question that I had, uh, and he was he was right there to answer it. Answered the phone right away, had the time to talk to me about it, and we kind of dug into it. Um, and that's invaluable. I can tell you that uh, from personal experience because it took me a long time to find the right person to trust with my finances, and I trust Jim and Principal Financial Group, whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review, you might have a small business and you need help with your employee benefits. That's another resource that Jim can assist you with. Personally, I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollovers with Jim, and I couldn't be any happier. You will be too. Give him a call. 610-996-4751. 610-996-4751. You can also email him, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y, dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray, dot Jim at principal.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. 
Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-X. Eagles. We're back. Yes, we are. That is Tone. Tone is hanging out with us today. Gunner off. Gunner will be back tomorrow. Looks like we're both munching on something, man. What you munching on, man? Looks like we both got something that we are working on. What? What you, what you munching on? Looks, oh. like looks like we're both working on something right now. Very healthy. Uh, I, I goldfish. Uh, I'm pounding down goldfish in, in between breaks, which is oh, uh, man, a man. really healthy, healthy lunch. I, I need to do a better job. So what I'll do is I'll go shopping on like Saturday or Sunday, food shopping, right? Right. And I never take into account, you know, get yourself something you can eat for lunch. It doesn't have to be, I, and I'm a light lunch eater anyway, but like, you know, I have fruit here. I'll, I'll grab a banana probably during the next break or something like that. But right. I never think in terms of lunch. And, and then I'm always like, oh man, I'm starving right before the show. What can I do? Pop, 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 pop. I don't know about you. Are isn't you, are you like, isn't lunch the hardest to prepare for? Like, isn't, doesn't lunch seem like the hardest meal to figure out? Because it's like, you don't want to eat nothing too heavy. But you too also heavy don't and you're want tired. To- you're, I'd, be, I'd be like this, you know, like, like I don't want to do that. Right. But you want to have enough energy where you're still able to, you know, kind of do your thing. What, so right. what do you generally, what's your, what's your lunch routine? Oh man. See, sometimes it all depends because sometimes I get a late start on breakfast. So yeah. I'll be totally content with eating like a bowl of cereal for lunch. You know okay. what I mean? And just, and, and, and that'll keep me honest. You know, if I if, if if I go too heavy, like one time, a lot of you not, man, I, this is when I was working at like an office job. Right. I decided to go out for lunch and I had like a cheesesteak platter. <laughs> and my, I've done it. Yeah, I've done it. And my God, was I sluggish. I, I, I tapped up. I completely tapped up. That's the problem, right? Like your eyes are like bigger than your stomach. And then you see, you, you see something like that and you're tempted. You're like, I got to go for it. And then you pay the price the rest of the afternoon. Yeah, I mean, you know, Rob, I mean, 
a, a good cheesesteak man will oh dude so you must be like dying where you're at because yeah, you don't you yeah. you lost the hoagie the cheesesteak probably legitimate soft pretzels yeah. right oh it's, all, all, all my favorite things is good in, in a lot of other areas all, all my favorite things are pretty much I've, I've had to do without and my wife gets on me all the time about being a basic eater, right? Like, I don't mind going to the same places more than once a week. You know what I'm I mean? Just, like, dude, like, I'm identical with that. Yep. Like, I, like my wife, she's like, you're so basic, you know? Um, why don't you try something different? I'm like, well, look, how about this? Whenever you ask what I want to eat, don't even ask me, okay? You figure out where we want to go because I'm flexible. I can pretty much eat anything, anywhere, anytime. So yeah. don't ask me where you want to go, okay? Just, you just tell me where you want to go, and then, and then we'll go from there because I can figure it out from there. See, I'm big on like if it ain't broke. Like if I know this place yeah. is good and I got a good meal, I'm good. I don't I don't need to get super creative, man. Like I, I, I get it and I appreciate that other people like I can eat I eat the same thing for breakfast every day. Like yes, I, I'm a very habitual, basic kind of dude. But I know a lot of other people are like, I eat something different every single day. I can't eat the same thing every day. Like they're just different. And my I'm with you. Like I always like to go to pl like local places. Mm -hmm. that are near where i live and my wife's like can we explore a little bit like let's let's i'm like no <laughs> yeah. i'm like i don't need to i'm not what am i magellan i don't need to explore right. I don't need to, I'm, not, I'm not lewis and clark i'm good yeah. i know where, i know where i am i'm good yeah. let me ask yeah. you this real quick before we get too deep into the topic right what's a what's what's that one food that you love that your wife's like please give it up please oh she eats healthy okay right and i do not uh, and I should, and I, I admit it, but I don't, um, because I, I'm not a great cook, but I know how to do the basics. Like I'll, I'll, I, you know, like burgers and, and, and that kind of stuff. And I'll do that sort of stuff. That's very easy to just fry up in a pan and, and whatever, but like, and I'll say to her, Hey, do you want one? No, I don't. She know you're like, she's like, you know, I don't eat that stuff. And mm -hmm. so she's nothing where she's like, you got to stop eating that. But she's like, you're eating that again. She's like, you have three or four things that you eat every single week and that's it. And you don't, you don't vary off of that. So that's what she does. Like, like it, she'll make, she makes really good, uh, like spaghetti and meatballs. Right. Ooh, so yeah. what, what we'll do is we'll, she'll make a big pot of it and then I'll put it in Tupperware and I'll have it for like two weeks. I'm not even kidding you. I'm with you on that. And I, and if like, I love it and I have no problem having it almost like every other day. And, and she's like, you're having that again. You know, I, that, so that's where, that's really where it comes into to play. How about you? Oh man. Um, okay. So since being in Texas, right. You know, yeah. I, I, I've been limited in, in, you know, in my Philly cuisine. Yeah. Um, but the one place that she wants me to give up for a while, I, I don't, I don't know why I, I some people are probably going to laugh at me when I mention this place, but. The one place that I can't give up lately is, well, it's two places: Panda Express and Crumble and, and Crumble Cookie. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I love Panda Express. Yeah. I love I love that Beijing I love that Beijing beef. I love that um, that sweet fire chicken breast. I love you that. Know it's good. So you're in a foreign land, and you know that's what works for you. So you keep going to that that yeah. that train. That's where I, I'm. I agree with you. Yeah, it's, it's you know it's I, look, man. Another thing she wants me to give up: chicken sandwiches. I love I love a good spicy chicken sandwich, man. Oh, yeah. Anyway, you know, you know don't, let's let's get on with the yeah, show. Really. Right? We're, we're both gonna be trying like eat we're, raw. We're, or we're rambling right now. We're, we're going right. we're going to a dark place. Okay. We're going to a dark place. I got you. I got you. All <laughs> right. Uh, 
I did mention the injuries. I want to give you this one before we do our NFL segment later. But this is a big injury because because the Jets' offensive line is banged up here. So right. Elijah Vera Tucker, who's the right tackle, he's done for the season. He tore his Achilles. Whoa. That's a big one, right? And they've already been dealing with some injuries to their offensive line anyway. You know, I just think about, you know, the, the Rams came in last week with a little, little bit of a banged-up offensive line. And, and you know, it was one of those things where I think the Eagles eventually wore them down in the second half and started getting – that's when, you know, Reddick started getting loose. Carter got a couple, whatever. I, I think this is another game tone. I really do. Not only because Zach Wilson's just not up to it, but because his offensive line's banged up too. This should be a minimum four or five sack game, which I think will force him into mistakes. He's oh, yeah. going to gamble on something, either strip sack or throw an interception or whatever that it could give you short yardage or whatever. That's where I think the game's won. Eagles D-line against this Jets O-line and Zach Wilson. Well, their O-line had questions before the season even started. That was yeah. the thing. Where even when they were all healthy, people doubted their offensive line, and they still couldn't hold up. And I'll be honest with you, man, after hearing that, you said a right tackle, right? Yes, right tackle. That's yep. the that, who's whose side is that for the Eagles? I'll sign Reddick, baby. Yeah, you know what it sounds like. You know what I'm I'm smelling three sacks. <laughs> I'm Look, smelling. He, I'm, I'm smelling. Rolling. He's got three game. of his last two games. He's rolling right now. As soon as that cast came off, that yep. man turned into a madman. And then mm-hmm. that that Rams game was just so um, reminiscent of how his 2022 season, uh, his 2022 campaign went. I mean, he had he had back-to-back sacks on two crucial downs, third and fourth down. I don't know if you remember this. He led the NFL last year in third down sacks. Radicate, which tells yeah. me he's a high-leverage, high-impact, game-wrecking, clutch performer. That's the kind of guy you want on the edge. I agree with you. I mean, look, his his year last year really mirrors this year. It's, it took him a minute uh, to get going. I think that was more getting acclimated to what the Eagles were doing. I think this year we underplayed the impact of the guy playing with a cast on his hand. You know, you got to yeah. be able to use your hands, rip moves, some of the other stuff that goes on. So I think now that he's just got that thing taped up as opposed to a cast that can use his, maybe his hand and his fingers a little bit more, even though the, the thumb might be still stiff a little, it's a big deal, you know, to him. Uh, so that just keep your eye on that one. Definitely. Um, like I said, we'll get into the Jets in, in, in you know in a little bit, but let's go positives, negatives here from what we've seen through the first five games. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll throw a few your way, and these are more intangibles than they are tangibles. Um, the fact that they just keep winning no matter what the circumstance is, even though it's close sometimes, even though it's not always pretty, they find ways to win. Number one, I think they're always always prepared. Uh, week in and week out. I watched the Bills be totally listless and unprepared on Sunday. I, I watched the Cowboys go to San Francisco. Mind you, the Niners are really good, but the Cowboys go to San Francisco, get their doors blown off. I don't see that with Nick Sirianni teams. I see a team that's prepared every week and well coached. So I, I'll just give you those. I have others, but give me give me some of yours uh, from what you've seen, you know, first five. Oh, man. One thing that stands out to me, uh, the linebacker position, a positive, right? You know, you know, we've been we talked about this linebacker position all all season, losing guys like T.J. Edwards and Kaiser White, and Kaiser mm-hmm. White's having a really good season. Um, for what I'm hearing uh, through the live chat, T.J. Edwards, uh, you know, is struggling right now. That entire um, Bears defense is struggling. Yes, they're a mess. Um, but you know, that linebacker position has kind of been a breath of fresh air. You know, the the original plan was to have Nicobe Dean come in and you know and, and, and fill in the gaps, but. Yeah. You know, with him going down, we really were concerned. And then all of a sudden, Nicholas Morrow, Zach Cunningham, 
especially Nicholas Morrow. He comes in and just turns it up, and all of a sudden this linebacker core looks looks somewhat reliable, right? I'm not going to sit there and say that they're, they're a top five linebacker core, but they're not they're they're no longer a liability right now. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, there's something you know, there's something to say about that. Um, an- another positive um, that I'm really happy about. You know, I'm I'm actually happy that the DeAndre Swift move is panning out because there were some people who were concerned. I mentioned it earlier. Some people were concerned about what's this, what's this running back room going to look like? Who's going to be the lead guy? And DeAndre Swift made it clear that he is head honcho. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree with both of those uh, both of those points for sure. Uh, all right, where else would I go? Uh, I would start with this one. The passing game is clearly coming on. What we saw the last two weeks, I think, is much more representative of what this passing game is going to look like in the first three weeks. I feel like they're starting to hit their groove. Um, you know, AJ Brown's been insane. I mean, let's face yeah, it. He is yeah. on a ridiculous pace. Yeah. Goddard, he's, he's on pace for 1800 receiving yards. Yeah. Yeah. He's on pace to, to shatter what he did last year. And he had a great year last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, this guy, and not only, I don't even know tone that I can say he's in his prime yet. Like, I don't know that this is the best of him. He's yeah. 26. He's 26. Yeah. So um, one can argue he's just entering it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But and, we're, you know, you know, we're looking at it. We usually, it feels like, and not that T.O. was past his prime. He wasn't. That's, he was still a stud. Yeah. But it feels like a lot of times when the Eagles get these sort of dudes, they're they're on kind of the back end. That's not okay. the case at all. Not the case with him. Not the case with Devontae. Um, but I, I look, what he's doing right now and the way the passing, the Goddard got going and they'll – you know, I, I guarantee you, Devontae Smith will will get his this week. I guarantee yeah, he'll, he'll be he'll be fine. Look, yeah. oh, another thing like this offense, we saw what this offense is essentially supposed to look like. You know, on you know on Sunday against the Rams, if you notice this passing attack, this offense looks significantly better when you have your tight end involved. When Dallas Goddard is involved in a pass game, did you see that one catch that he caught where he was on the, he was on the left sideline? I think he caught it someone in the flat or was a bubble screen and he just completely obliterated the defender. Yes. It took it like 20 yards or something like that or 15 yards. Like the dude, the dude is a, the dude is a freak of nature. You have to get, if you get Dallas Goddard involved, it forces, it, it forces the defenders to have to really defend the sticks and really, and really have to hone in on that. When everyone is a weapon, you saw them incorporating DeAndre Swift in the passing game. I think he had like four or five catches. Yeah. Everyone on the field yesterday was a weapon. When you force the opponent to have to defend every, Skill position guy, when everyone is a threat on that field, when you force them to have to defend every blade of grass, the, the Philadelphia Eagles are damn near indefensible. And on top of that, you throw in Jalen Hurts breaking your back in the run game. I mean, this team, at this point, their only weakness is the red zone, and that draws me to a negative, right? Red zone offense has to get better. Like, at this point, you cannot beat those good teams if the red zone offense isn't clicking. They've been so inefficient. And also, I feel like play calling down there hasn't really been that great as well. What's your thoughts? Oh yeah, I mean, I I I would agree with you. I mean, if you if you were were as far as the negatives go, that's first on my list. I mean, it, it's been a problem. They've also, I think, went conservative a little bit uh, there uh, for whatever reason. Now I, I get why they did it Sunday. So Sunday situation was, you're up six, a field goal puts you up two possessions. They were milking clock. Like I felt they were going to be fine. Like. I understood it a little bit. You didn't want to take a chance of throwing an interception. I get right. it. But far too often this year, they're settling for Jake Elliott threes. You know, and, and you love you have a good kicker, but they, they you need seven. 
three will catch up to you. It, where you're going to see a tone is is maybe not this week, but starting next week against Miami, against Buffalo, against Dallas, against San Francisco, Seattle. You don't capitalize in the red zone, man. It will come back to haunt you in a big way. It's like the Phillies leaving runners on base last night early. A team like Atlanta that can flip a switch and hit a long ball like that with these teams that can score in a hurry. I mean, you look at what Miami's doing in terms of like yards per play and whatnot, and, and Miami's going to be dealing with a with a big injury, which we'll talk about. But yeah, you the red zone's a first and foremost for me. It's the biggest problem with this team. It's the biggest negative through five games. And the Eagles acknowledge as much. Like Nick has said it on repeated occasions, like this isn't going to cut it. And there's too much talent there. I mean, when you have Jalen Hurts, the threat of him running or passing, you have DeAndre Swift, you have AJ and Goddard. Like there's weight. If you if this is a different team, I might understand it more. Not mm-hmm. with this team. Do you think they get too conservative in the red zone? Because it looks like yeah, it looks like they're reading from an entirely different playbook when they get there. Like it's like it seems like play calling is explosive, and you know I don't have any questions. But as soon as they get, as soon as they get inside inside the opponent's twenty, it seems like they just forget the coaches forget how to be creative or something. I mean, they, like there there's just been moments where I'm like, why are you running Jalen Hurts on third down, or why are you running Kenny Game on third down? You're third and eleven, third and ten. I mean, it's just I just. My, my, my thing is you have Dallas Goddard, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. If you mean to tell me you can't draw a play to get those guys in the end zone, like but, but when it comes to Dallas Goddard, we saw it on Sunday. Throw the ball up. He'll catch it. <laughs> Just throw it up. <laughs> I think in general, Tone, and this is if I had a little picadillo here with Jalen, it would be I just want him a little bit more to trust these guys on 50-50s, whether it's Goddard, whether it's A.J. Brown, even Devontae. I know he's not the biggest guy in the world, but we've seen him be able to maneuver himself in mm. traffic. Trust them a little bit more. I understand it. I get it. He doesn't want to throw picks. I appreciate that aspect of it. But trust your guys a little bit more in those 50-50 spots. And I think that can that can play into the red zone too. Call a play for this, for this guy if he's singled up. I'll take A.J. Brown against almost anybody else singled up and take my chances that he's going to come away with the ball. So that's something I think you can put on the coaches rather than on um, on Jalen. All right, let me give you a couple other uh, that, that I really feel good about. The offensive line, we don't talk about it a lot because we expect it. Dude, they're just as dominant as they have been. Like they, There hasn't been a step lost as far as I'm concerned going into yeah. this season to where the Kelsey, Lane Johnson, uh, my lot is playing pretty well, the, uh, Dickerson, whomever has been plugged in at that guard spot, whether it's been Opeta or, or Jurgens, they're just nasty. Yeah. The reality is, man, this Eagles offensive line, um, they, they have a beautiful blend of youth and, you know, veteran leadership. You have Kelsey and Lane Johnson, the OGs on that line. And then you have Melada and Landon Dickerson, uh, you know, Cam Jurgens went healthy, but you also got Sue Opeta as well. You got, you got some young, you got some young guys in there as well. Um, they're just what the reality is, man. They have the best offensive line coach, to, in my opinion, to ever grace Philadelphia, maybe to ever coach in the National Football League. I mean, maybe I'm being you know overzealous, maybe I'm just being excited or whatever. Fine, whatever. Yeah. But Jeff Stalin, that's a that you know, do they does the NFL give out lifetime contracts? <laughs> I need, I, you know, I need, I need to know because Jeff Stalin, man, he needs, he needs, I want the Philadelphia Eagles to give him whatever he wants, just give him yeah. a blank check, sign here. We'll make here, it happen, okay? here, I, I'm, I have no knowledge of this. This is pure guess, okay? Okay. If you go around the league and you look at what other offensive line coach or ma- coaches are making, I guarantee you, you can about triple it for Stoutland. 
Okay. I, now I'm curious. I'm doing gonna, all I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to look it up. Okay, so if you can find that, I'll get, first of all, I'll give you total props if you can find that. But I guarantee you there isn't a guy making close that coaches the O-line to what Stoutland's making. I will guarantee you that. Okay. And, and deservedly so. Okay. Um, Couple others that, 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 that let me give you one tone that I did not think we'd be saying on the positives. All right. Eagles special teams. Eagles special team. I mean, think about it, right? So Cubby's well. average has the lead league average in punt returns. Jake Elliott, up, other than maybe Justin Tucker, I'll put Elliott up against any kicker in football. Y- yeah, the punter position has been eh, but the coverage game's been good. Coverage game's been good, man. I mean, they have not. I don't. I, I don't recall a lot of big returns given up. So, I'm I'm thrilled with the special teams, and I will give Michael Clay, who rightfully so got beat up last year. Props, props to Michael Clay and special teams. Yeah, man. You know, I I, I got to be honest with the special teams, man. They haven't. We haven't really talked about them, and that's a good thing, right? On top of that, Brand Covey is leading uh, the NFL in punt return yardage. I mean, talking about a guy who's you know been called every nickname in the book from. Uh, you know, uh, crash test Covey shot the Derek Gunn. Um, uh, Mr. Uh, Taz, Rob we're... giving flowers to special teams. Who are you and where's Rob? <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I even, hear you. Look, even, just... even punting hasn't been that bad. I, th- I think man had like one bad he's punch. Been fine. But yeah, he's, he's, been been, fine. He's, he's been solid. He's, he's been, been fine. But I, I mean, covers. look, I am equal opportunity, rip or praise. Okay. I am where it's when it's good, I will give it up, man. So, yes, special teams, I'm on it. Uh, oh, man. They're not showing me any offensive line coach salaries, man. I, I'm looking everywhere. <laughs> but yeah, nonetheless, that's, man, that's, I, I would imagine that's a hard it's, one. It's, it's, it's so specific, right? But yeah. um, but yeah, like you said, man, that offensive line has just been has been tremendous. I mean, Jason Kelsey, just an Iron Man, dude. It's yeah. like he the way the way he plays the game. It's like if he retires, it's because he's just he can't see himself getting up for the training camps anymore. Right. You know what I mean? It's not about it's not about he, if he can do up. it. Yeah, he's worried about down the road with his health. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like the dude just he just gets it. Lane Johnson, you know, if, if anybody should be worried about their health, Lane Johnson definitely, because you know he has those shaky ankles and yep. you know, obviously he tore the adductors last year. So um, but I just think his offensive line is ultimately in good hands, even beyond those guys. I mean, you know, uh, uh you have Landon Dickerson, Jordan Melada, and you still have Sue Opetta, Tyler Steen. You know what I mean? Cam Jurgens, Jack Driscoll. You got you got some young guys on this roster that could potentially, you know, take over the guard, you know, going forward. Yeah. Let me give you let me give you this real quick from our buddy Jeff Kerr, uh, who does a really good job covering the NFL uh, for CBS. So uh, regarding Kelsey Tone for this season, zero sacks allowed, one hurry allowed, two pressures allowed, one point zero pressure rate allowed, on pace on pace for the lowest pressure rate allowed in his career. So the, the lowest for his career is 1.3. Right now he's at 1.0. He turns 36 next month. Like Jeez. this dude, this dude's a machine. He's a machine. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and let me give you something else, right? As far as Landon Dickerson. Yeah. Amongst amongst all interior offensive linemen, run block win rate, he's ranked first. Pass block win rate, ranked fourth. Man. And he's doing all this by being part of the fewest double team blocks among all 20 interior offensive linemen. Just, just big time players. Man. Dog. Dog. Big time players. Uh, all right. Negatives. So, red zone, you were right on. Uh, slot corner scares the heck out of me. I'll be honest with you. Roby came in and did a nice job, mm-hmm. but 
I'm not sold. Okay. This is where I still think, and you know, I've been preaching this, mm-hmm. that there's a trade coming. I think Howie, Howie pulls the trigger on something with one of these teams who's fading, who's got somebody maybe in the last year of their deal that is going to be maybe super expensive. You, you're not giving a ton up like a sixth rounder or something like that. You bring somebody else in, it would not surprise me one bit. I think that's an area that you're playing with fire a little bit here because so many teams use three wide out sets, four wide out sets. You, you, you need to have that corner, that nickel corner. And right now that's a very up in the air area for the Eagles. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't put it past Howard to make a move there. Um, but I think it I think it solely depends on if Bradley Roby can come in and take control of that position um, you know, pretty early. Um yeah. they still they still have some time, but the trade deadline is what, week eight, week nine, something yeah, like that. Yeah, you got like two whatever two or three weeks, something like that. Yeah. So I, I think if Bradley Roby can come in that he's a reliable source of production from that position, I yeah. think Howie may potentially lead to man, if that's a good matter. That's a good topic right there, right? What position do we see Harry Roseman potentially making a move at? You know, you know, entering this uh this trade deadline. You, I know you mentioned slot corner. Um, do you think there's a chance he may potentially make a move at slot wide receiver? I yeah, mean, Quez Watkins has been a liability, if you ask me. I'm sorry, that's another negative that we're going to talk about here. Quez yeah, Watkins, yeah. I'm done with the Quez Watkins experiment, okay? Yeah, no, and look. I'm I'm normally not one to be super abrasive when it comes to these guys. I understand yeah. a lot goes on, and sometimes everything isn't your fault. Too many times I've seen Quez Watkins quit on yeah. plays. Yes. Too many times I've seen Quez Watkins look like the weaker man on the football field. Case in point, Jalen Hurts threw a perfect screen to you. Yeah. Devontae Smith and Olamide Zacchaeus gave you the perfect blocks Yep. All you had to do was run through the alleyway, and then you're good to go. You're home free. You got the first down, potentially more. But you know what he does? He decides to hesitate, bounce it outside, and then yep. it ends up being a loss of yardage, and it kills an already productive drive. Nick Sirianni was furious. And yes, then it just yeah. and then it just makes me think about all the other times where Cuz Watkins has just failed to really elevate his game. In the offseason, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm kind of going on this rant, Rob, but bear yeah, with yeah. me, man. This is why we're here, man. In the off season, right? He calls himself going on Twitter talking about, I'm going to make you guys, I'm going to make you guys eat your mother from words and all this yeah. kind of stuff. You know, I'm keeping receipts, all that kind yeah. of nonsense. Yeah. My guy, my guy, okay? For one, you don't get enough targets to make me eat my words. So relax mm-hmm. on that. But mm-hmm. for two, you can't ever catch the balls that come to you. A mm-hmm. lot of people were saying, damn, Jalen, you missed Quest wide open in the end zone. I'm not even mad at Jalen. You want to know why? Because I don't trust Quez Watkins. I'm at that point with him. I don't trust you to catch the ball if you're wide open. I don't trust you to. I don't trust you to lock the doors when you leave. I don't trust you to turn the stove off when you're finished. Yeah, I, I look, man. You said it very well. There's not much more I can add, but I, I think a, a really quick way to find yourself gone or on the bench is if the team draws yeah. up a play that works, and you don't do what you're supposed to do. You're going to be gone. One of the things that really annoyed them. Even in the contract year. I know. the contract year. And one of the things that really annoyed them about Miles Sanders was he would try and bounce too much from the outside, right? And and Miles was way more productive than Quez Watkins. But my point is, when they had that that play that you just referenced, and those guys were busting their butt to provide you with with blocks, and you had an alley, you had a lane, and you go outside because it looks like maybe you don't want to deal with contact, that's a bad look, man. It's a bad look. And I know the Eagles have backed him publicly. I get it. He has speed, all that. That's a bad look. So I agree with you. I, I think Quez, 
Quez doesn't get this turned around real quick, he is not going to be a part of the equation one way or the other. I think he's, he's just honestly, won't. I think he's, I, I, I think he's done, man. You know, yeah. I would much rather have Olamide Zacchaeus in there because uh, at least Olamide, so far he's shown up in big spots. There are two moments that stood that, that stood out to me when it comes to Olamide Zacchaeus. Obviously, the touchdown he caught in Tampa Bay, that was a pretty big catch. You know, Jalen Hurts was fading back, and he kind of just trusted him with that with that deep ball, with yeah. that strike. And then on top of that, there was a catch, I believe, in last week's game uh, against the – who was it? Um, Jesus, I don't know why I'm blanking on this right now. Um, uh, was, uh, against the Commanders. Commanders. Yeah, there was a third down conversion, right? The Eagles were driving, right? And they, and they, yeah. were, trying to tie the, they were trying to tie the game up, I believe, or I think they were trying to take the lead or whatever. Um, yeah. He caught a crucial – third down catch in traffic and Jalen went to him on back-to-back throws the first time yeah. I think it was I, I think it was a I don't know if it was a deflection or a drop or whatever it was Jalen went back to him again and, and, right. and all the media caught it falling to the ground I'm like that's trust right there and on top yeah. of that that's what your slot court that's what your slot receiver is supposed to do he's supposed to yeah. do his job in that slot and not be afraid to get touched all yeah. I, I, I'm all in on him I want yeah. I want him to get more opportunities a lot of people are talking about Quez's speed I'm done with Quest Speed, okay? Speed don't keep you in the if, if, if you're worried about speed, go run track, my guy. Okay? Go do that. Olamide, put him in, man. Well said. All right, let's get a timeout. Uh, Greg Murphy's going to join us when we get back. We'll see if the Phillies can recover from what was a difficult, difficult loss in game two of the yeah. NLDS. They play again tomorrow. Uh, you got Aaron Nola on the Hill. We'll talk about it when we come back. NFL segment coming up at 1. He's Tone to Shields in for Gunner today. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. I'm going to tell you about Pro Action Restoration. Pro Action Restoration is the place that you reach out to if your home, your business, or your property experiences the pain, the inconvenience of water, fire, smoke, mold damage. Pro Action Restoration is on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist. I've gone through it. I've reached out to them on a Saturday. They got right out years ago to my parents' house, and they cleaned up the problem, and it was a great experience. The price was right. The crew was incredible. Pro Action Restoration is licensed, bonded, and fully insured. They've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. They will work in conjunction with your insurance company also. So again, if it's water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, you name it, they can handle it. Give them a call, 610-623-3760, 610-623-3760, or online at ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProActionRestoration.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles All right, we're back, everybody. Tony Shields, Rob Ellis, hanging out with you on this Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? Yes, it's Tuesday. And we are licking our wounds to an extent because we looked like the Phillies were very close to going up two games to nothing, coming back to the uh, possibility of a clinch. Here at Citizens Bank Park tomorrow. Is it evening or 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 or, or afternoon when it's five oh seven? I think that constitutes evening, doesn't it? It's kind of like you're on you're right in between. All right. You know who might know the answer to this? Our next guest. He does an amazing job with the Phillies pre and post game show. You could hear him uh, in Philadelphia on WIP, of course, Phillies radio networks as well. He is Greg Murphy. Murph, five oh seven afternoon evening. We need the answer right now. Uh, I'm going to say that's the afternoon. Evening starts at six. Six. Okay. I like that. I like that. I that's can roll what I'm, that. But please don't ask me what day of the week it is because that I don't know. <laughs> I needed a second with Tuesday, man. I'm like, it's going to well, be Believe me, I have no off, clue. Right? So yeah. I got to take your word for it. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, so, what weird question. What did you guys do with the Sunday off? Did you, did you get a chance to get out and have some fun in the uh, Atlanta area? You know, I, a little bit. Um, obviously, it was nice because it was a football Sunday, so there was a, there was a lot to do. Uh, I was lucky enough. My son, who goes to the University of Tennessee, uh, drove in with a couple of his buddies uh, nice. to, to to come to the game on Monday. So we got to spend Sunday together and uh, and do that. So that was that was a lot of fun. Very cool, right, Murph. Yeah. So look, I know you you are a native of the area, and you feel it. You feel it like we all feel it when you know when we're watching this. Give me the contrast of like the fifth inning when it seemed like it was like a library in Atlanta yeah. versus the sound of, you know, after Michael Harris makes that play, man, it was just, it must've been night and day in the ballpark. It, it really was, you know, it, it, it really did feel like it started to turn uh, with the Trey Turner uh, misplay at shortstop that allowed Acuna to score. I think that was in the sixth inning. It gave them their first run. It was still four one at that time. You still felt confident, but there was a notable switch in energy not just uh, in the ballpark, because th- at that point, their fans did start to get into it again. They had been quiet for most of the game. But there was also this um, 
this perceptible change in, in the Braves dugout, I thought. And, you, you know, this team, this Braves team, we could say what we want. They are an outstanding baseball team. Yeah. And they, they're about as good of an offensive team that I've seen. Well, certainly that I've seen in my 14 years of just being with baseball and being in baseball. Uh, but I've been covering baseball for a long, long time. And they rank among the top offensive teams I've ever seen. And, you know, all year long, they've been doing this. They've been coming back late in games, scoring in the seventh, scoring in the eighth, scoring in the ninth, and winning games that, that seemingly were out of, out of reach. And we've seen it against the Phillies. So when, when they got it to 4-1, it did feel like the energy kind of shifted. And you just were hoping the Phillies could hold on and hold on. Um, you know, and then Nick Cassianos does what he does. And that ball's, you know, a foot away from tying the ballgame. And yeah. uh, But I think if you're a Phillies fan, you have to take a little bit of solace in that, right? You have to say they, they, they beat them in game one and they – could have, should have beaten them in game two, both on the road. Now they're coming back here to Philadelphia. So hopefully they continue to play good baseball. This Braves team is really good, but so is this Phillies team. And, and the Phillies mm-hmm. certainly have a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Murphy, you, know, you bring up a good point. The fact that they were able to split on the road. Uh, at the end of the day, that is, um, you know, that is a consolation prize. I, I mean, I feel like most teams um, in that situation, that's, that's ultimately your goal, right? To split and, and take home field advantage uh, back from the opponent. You know, but, you know, when I, when I saw this game, you know, it, it was so reminiscent of some of the issues that plagued this Phillies team early on in the season, you know, leaving, leaving guys on base, uh, errors in the infield, you know, wasting, you know, really good pitching performances. I mean, you know, did this Philly team potentially get too laxed? Oh, no, I don't think so, Tone. I, I agree with everything you said, but I do not think this team got too lax, no. Um, we, we did see that those mistakes were in their ugly head. And it is a lot of what we saw early in the season when they were struggling. But, but I think if you just take this game in, in, in just in a capsule itself, it was just a game that got away from the Phils. And, and honestly, when you play 162 and you're in the postseason, those games are going to happen. It's when it happens you know, consistently over two weeks, three-week period of time, which we did see earlier in the season. That's when it becomes a little bit of a concern but a one-off, one game, I'm, I'm not concerned that all of the sudden this team's, you know, sitting back on their heels and, and not playing with that sense of urgency. I don't think that's an issue. There's too many veterans in this clubhouse. There's too many guys that have been here before uh, that, uh, that understand what it takes. So, so and, and I don't think this coaching staff would let that happen either, to be quite honest. So, you know, Going into a two-game series in, or two games in Atlanta in hopes of getting back to Philadelphia, yeah, the goal is let's let's get one and come back to Philly with an opportunity to win it. They could have had two. That's what hurts. But they, they did get one, and now they're coming back to Philadelphia with an opportunity to win it, and you got to hope that they can. Murph, one of the positives is th- this team generally this year – has been very good at bouncing back from tough losses. We've seen it. You know, maybe a bullpen blows a game where Harper brings him back and, you know, hits a late home run, whatever. Typically, it's there's not a carryover effect. I know this is the playoffs. It's not the regular season. I get it. But they've been very good at sort of compartmentalizing and on to the next one. And I think they're also going to be aided by the fact that, let's face it, they're walking into, the, you know, to the bedlam at the bank insanity. I mean, Harper pointed it out last night. So those factors, I think, really help you sort of put that one in the rear view and then move on. Yeah. If there's one thing we've, we've learned about this team over the last two years, really, I, I think really ever since Rob Thompson took over is that uh, they don't let things linger. They, they never, they never do. 
And, um, you know, I think Nick Castellano said it last night in the postgame comments. He said, you know, we thrive after getting punched in the mouth. Well, mm-hmm. they got punched in the mouth last night. And, and now we have to see how they're going to react. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm fairly confident that they'll, they'll react well. I don't mm-hmm. think this one will hang over their heads. They'll come into Wednesday night and they'll play the style of baseball. They'll put their, their plan into place and, and try to activate it. It all comes down to whether or not the players, you know, can, can do what they're supposed to do out there on the field. But I don't think it's going to be an issue of, oh, woe was us. You know, we, we could have won and we didn't. And, and therefore, this thing is over for sure. Yeah. You know, Greg, I tend to agree with you. Right. Um, think about it from this perspective. Last season, this it kind of played out similarly. Right. I mean, the games kind of went Very. a little differently in terms of the score and, you know, the circumstances in the context of the game. But I mean, the Phillies split things with the Braves last year in the same situation, one and one and brought it back to uh, Philadelphia and they, were, and they managed to close it out. Um, so in, in saying all that, you know, there can't, there can't be any reason to panic, you know, for this Phillies team. I mean, they have done a really good job with this Braves team. I mean, the Braves have been a team that are really good at jumping on you early and the Phillies have done a good job of kind of alleviating that pressure. So there can't be any reason for this Phillies team to panic, right? No, no, there, there won't be any reason for, for them to panic, for sure. Um, you know, we as fans, yeah, I always say, you know, when watching sports, no matter what sport you're watching, it, it, for, for fans and even for coaches maybe to an extent and broadcasters and, and, and folks in the media, we have no control over what's happening on the field, right? So therefore, we panic. It's kind of like you're, you're in a car and someone's driving, you know, 75 miles an hour around a curve. You know you can do it when you're driving, because you're in control. But when the other guy's doing it, you're like holding on for dear life, right? And I, and I, and I think you can make that, that same um, analogy with the fans and with, with, with us and the media. You know, we don't have any control over it. So therefore, it's like, ah, you know, the sky's falling. But that, that group in the clubhouse that does have control over what's happening, they are not thinking that at all. And um, it's, it's, so yesterday was just another baseball game for those guys. And now they're going to turn their focus to winning tomorrow's baseball game. And I think, you know, I asked Larry Anderson that exact question yesterday, a guy who played in the big leagues for, you know, a better part of two decades. And I said, you know, do you get more anxious now as a broadcaster? He said, yeah, absolutely I do. Because I knew when I went out to the mound that it was up to me and this is what I've been doing my whole life. But now that I'm up here, not, nothing I can do about it. So um, I, I think that's what it is. There's no panic in that clubhouse. And, and Tone, you're right. When, when you think back to what happened last year, uh, the two games in Atlanta. The Phillies could have, should have won game two in Atlanta last year. I mean, you know, it was, a, it was I believe it was a nothing-nothing ball game in the sixth inning before um, a misplay in the infield gave the, the gave Atlanta their first run, if I if I remember that correctly. So, you know, and then and then it got away from them. And you know, again, the sky was falling last year. So then they came back to Philly and took care of business. They they have to win two or three against the Atlanta Braves. They've done it before. They certainly can do it again. They just have to go out and execute. Murph, you, you know how it is. Day after a loss like that, everybody wants to point fingers, who's most to blame, all that kind of stuff happens. I, I want to ask you specifically about Harper's base running because we've seen him be uber aggressive and it pays off. Yeah. You know, stop signs and see you later. He still scores. And other times it's hurt them. Um, yeah. is, is that something that you can govern or you just hope that Bryce gets it by the magnitude of that last night and that he, he just – you know, picks and chooses his spots a little bit better? Or do you think, does Rob have a conversation with him? How do you think that works? Rob absolutely has a conversation with him. Okay. Uh, whether or not it, 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 I don't want to say works because I, I don't think Rob is dictating to Bryce, 
you know, hey, I, I think what, and again, I don't know this, but this is yeah. what I would imagine has happened. And when, when I talk to Rob, I'll ask him. But what I think Rob probably said to him was, you understand in that situation, that was a mistake. And and Bryce probably says, absolutely. I realize I made a mistake. I yeah. should, in fact, I know in his postgame comments yesterday, Bryce admitted mistake. Yeah. I should have stopped, you know, you, you kind of want to be hovering right around second base. And then if it hits off the wall, then you're taking off. Mm-hmm. And he probably would have scored in either situation. And that's the kind of part, you know, Bryce is thinking to himself, I have to score here. Yeah. And so he was, he was rounding second and trying to give himself any opportunity to score. Uh, Harris makes the great catch. We know the outcome. Yep. Bryce Harper is, is such a dynamic player. You know, he ran through a stop sign um, a couple of days ago. It was That was against Miami, I guess. Yes. And, 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 and it worked. And so we're all celebrating that, right? Had he been thrown out, we'd be killing him. And, mm-hmm. and that's the bottom line. If it works, it's great. And if it doesn't work, not so great. And last night it didn't work, not so great. Um, but I don't think you can – I don't think you want to put a, a governor on, mm-hmm. on Bryce Harper for the most part. You want him to play smart. You want him to be thinking about situations. But at the end of the day, you want him to be Bryce Harper. And that's the way – Bryce Harper plays with his hair on fire. And that's just the way he is. And uh, for the most part, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, just to ping pong off of what Rob, you know, asked you, uh, Greg, you know, the, the reality is you're right. A guy like Bryce Harper, he's been in this league for a long time. He has plenty of experience. And a guy like that, you know, I want him playing with his hair on fire, right? You know, I want him playing with that passion because that's what drives this fan base. That's what drives this team. They pretty much go as he goes. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'd much rather have a guy that I might have to pull him up the ledge a little bit than have a guy that I have to constantly push to the ledge. Um, yeah. And saying all that, you know, what do you believe is the big picture message from Rob Thompson uh, to his guys after suffering a loss like this in the fashion they did? Well, I think the, the, the short message is, hey, guys, we have to play smart, but be aggressive, but be aggressively smart, you know, be, be smart mm. aggressively, uh, whichever way you want to phrase it. I think that's the, the short message. But the big message is one game, fellas, that, just put it behind you. Let's look forward. We've got Aaron Nola going to the Hill. And, you know, if, if you're a Braves fan, you're thinking to yourself, well, who's going to pitch game three? They don't even know who's going to start game Crazy. three at this point. And, yeah. and their options aren't very good. <laughs> so, you know, you've got the Phillies have Aaron Nola going to the Hill. who's pitched very well in his last three starts. He's a guy that uh, has been there on the big stage before and uh, has pitched well against the Atlanta Braves in his career. So, you've got to feel pretty good about that. And I think that's the message Rob Thompson is, is telling them that, Hey guys, let's go out and win game three. And then we'll worry about game four when that comes, but let's go out and win game three. And then let's go out and win game four. And then we'll head off to Arizona or to LA. Yeah. You know, I think that's the message. And, and I don't know that it, Rob even needs to tell the guys that because I think mm-hmm. Kyle Swarber's in there saying the same thing. I think, I think Bryce Harper's in there saying the same thing somewhere. Reese Hoskins is, you know, texting and saying the same thing. <laughs> and, and and that's because that's the way this team is built. And that's the why that's why they're able to bounce back as well. They, as well as they have all year long. Yeah. Murph, we had, uh, we had Scott Fransky on, I believe it was Monday. Um, or actually it was at the end of last week. I think it was, I can't even remember at this point. Um, yeah. but Oh yeah, it was, it was the end of last week. And he said, you know, the thing with NOLA is they made the adjustment from the pitch clock, the pitch clock that's got the, you yes. know, you can see it if you're a pitcher on, on your right and on your left. And he was looking too much at the one, I guess, on his right. And they got him mm-hmm. to look over the left, whatever. I mean, he's been a different pitcher since then, Murph, the last three starts. Yeah. Isn't it crazy that it could be that, it, you know, I'm not saying it is, but that it could be and could yeah. have been something that 
simple and something, you know, we kept saying it's the pitch clock. You can't handle it. Well, yeah, literally, apparently it was the pitch clock. Uh, not so much that the time was ticking down, but the, because it was over there and, and yeah. he needed it over here. And uh, so it is, it's kind of remarkable, but if you've ever, you know, uh, guys, I don't know if you're golfers, but you get out there on that first tee and if you're, you're turned a little bit, you know, the Age wrong everything. way, yep. everything's screwed up. And that's kind yeah. of what, what, they think was happening with Aranola. And since they fixed it the last three times uh, out, he has looked a lot more like Aranola than, uh, than the guy that we saw a little bit earlier in the year. I, look, I, I love Aaron, uh, not only as a pitcher, but as a guy, um, he's a bulldog. He's one, he's, if not the hardest working guy on the team, he's certainly top three. And um, he's the kind of guy that I want to hand the baseball to in a situation like this. He's a you know, low heartbeat kind of guy. He's yep. going to take it. be like, all right, guys, you know, I got this, you know, and, and, and everyone's going to fall in behind him with that kind of mentality. I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Murph, earlier in the show, Rob asked me uh, a question in terms of momentum uh, when it comes to the Philadelphia Phillies and how this game turned out. And essentially, you know, my response was, well, momentum isn't necessarily an exact science, right? It's pretty much who's, who's giving you their best on any particular day. But I'm exactly. curious to know, What's your thoughts on momentum in terms of how this game turned out and how it could potentially carry over uh, to game three? Yeah. So, I I mean, the old adage in baseball is that momentum is only as good as next day's pitcher. Right. And uh, and and that would be Aaron Nola. So give give the advantage to the Phillies in that regard. So if you go with that, that old cliche, you know, I like the Phillies chances. But I I think ultimately, I think. What we learned, if if we learned anything from yesterday's game, is that momentum can change in an instant during the game. I mean, the Phils had all the momentum in that one. They were the Braves were being no hit into the you know through the fifth inning, and then and then the sixth comes along and they get the first out, and then a walk, and and then the the misplay and a run scores, and all of a sudden, as I said earlier, it just felt like it started to shift. Um, now had that ball hit off the wall, momentum back to the Phillies, right? You know, and now the Braves are scrambling in the bottom of the ninth. So momentum is a fickle beast. And, and I think that, uh, is, is what we know. And that's true in any sport. Um, so I think what we do know is maybe the Braves have the momentum tomorrow during the national anthem. And then depending what happens in the first <laughs> inning, yep. it, it's up for grabs. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Murph, I think that's fair. Do, do you think there's any change in the usage of Hoffman? I know it was one mistake, you know, with, with the long ball, but do you think Thompson still would stay with him in high leverage situations the rest of the way? Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. Um, Rob won't think twice about that. You know, pitchers make mistakes. It actually wasn't a terrible pitch. It really yeah. wasn't. I mean, uh, he one hands the thing. It's amazing. He one handed it out of the ball. And that, and so, you know what? Austin Riley, yeah. right? Because yeah. he's that kind of hitter. He's that kind of player. And he beat Jeff Hoffman in that particular moment. Right. But no, uh, Hoffman's got, uh, he pitches with a ton of confidence. This will not shake his confidence. He knows that uh, he needs to execute just a little bit better at this time of the year because it's this time of the year and the guys on the other side are that good. So, but uh, to answer your question, Rob will not hesitate. In fact, if there's an opportunity in a high leverage situation that calls for a right handed pitcher, He's going to call Jeff Hoffman first if I if I had to bet because for for if for no other reason to get him back out on the horse because if they're going to keep going they're going to need him. Yeah, Murph. You know, so far you know the Phillies the Phillies have been on just this tear right in the second half of the season they've been dominant. 
Um, they're one of the best teams in terms of home runs all that, and all that kind of stuff. They just been really, or they just really turned the page in the second half of the season going into the playoffs. And, they, and in my opinion, they've just been a really dominant team. They pretty much controlled most of the matchups they've been in. Um, throughout this stretch and entering the playoffs and up until this point, who uh, – who, who, who on this Phillies roster has been impressing you the most, um, you know, with their, with their performances as of late? Wow, that's a great question. I mean, I think you got to start with, uh, you know, someone like Zach Wheeler, who just yeah. seems like every time he takes the baseball, you know, he puts the Phillies in a position to win. But the bullpen, you know, the guys that we just mm. talked about, I mean, Jeff Hoffman has been as good as anybody down the stretch. Um, you know, Sir Anthony Dominguez in the last two weeks, has seemed to have turned the corner. So, you know, he's another option out there. Um, and then, you know, and then it's it's the, the big names. I mean, JT Romuto, another guy who really struggled um, for, for parts of this season. He seems to be much more locked in yeah, going into to the postseason and, and through the postseason. And, um, you know, Bryce Harper is always that guy. Uh, so there are a lot of choices, and that's kind of – the way it has to be for a baseball team in October, you need three or four guys on any given night to be to be stars. And the Phillies have enough guys on this roster, this this 26 man roster that they can rely on different guys on different nights. I mean, Alec Bohm, who was, you know, really struggled in, in uh, game one and in the Marlins series, you know, able to, to come back and and uh, you know, play well for, against the Braves. So. It's it's just a different guy every night, and um, it's hard to pinpoint one guy kind of carrying them right now because I don't think it is one guy. If I could quickly follow up, Rob, isn't, yeah. isn't that what makes this Phillies team so dangerous that you have guys like Stott and Bohm who aren't really your uh, you know your world beaters? They're not your main guys, but they can still like Stott give you a grand slam out of nowhere. Isn't yeah. that what makes this Phillies team that much that much more dangerous in, in this playoffs because you really don't know where it's going to come from. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I, you know, even before the playoffs, the, the regular season, early in the season, the Phillies stars were, were struggling, you know, to, to all of them. Bryce was out and, and, and Kyle was struggling and, um, and JT was struggling. And, you know, the, the veteran guys, Trey Turner, obviously the, the story with him, we know in the first half of the season. And there was Stott and there was Boehm and there was Marsh picking them up and getting them, you know, to hang around that 500 mark until – the stars started to click and then it became, you know, this powerhouse of a team that we've seen since June the 3rd. And I think that's has continued into the postseason. And that's what all good teams are, right? You know, every, all the teams in the postseason are going to have their superstar uh, or two, but, uh, but really it takes every Travis star. No, you know, he hits the two run. He's a, he's a part-time player for the Atlanta Braves. He hit the two run home run to get them to four, three, right. Uh, yesterday. All good teams need guys like that in the postseason to step up. And uh, Travis Darno was able to do it for the Braves yesterday. Hopefully someone can do it for the Phillies tomorrow. And Murph, interestingly, I mean, we still don't know who the who was even going to start for the Braves right now. I'm not sure what the ad- advantage is at this point, but anyway, uh, to not naming him. But if it is Bryce Elder, mm-hmm. how about a 575 ERA in his last 14 starts? I mean, they're sort of trending – not everybody, not Strider, but a lot of their guys are trending the wrong way, whether it's health or just numbers uh, out of the yeah. rotation. Yeah, you know, they're, they're really banged up in their rotation with the with the exception of Strider, who has been consistently good all year. I mean, Max Fried's record was very good. He was 8-1 and one with, a, I think, a sub-3 ERA, so the numbers look good. 
But you're right. I mean, you know, his wheels have been kind of shaking a little bit uh, coming down the stretch. And we saw last night, he certainly didn't have command last night. Um, and, you know, I don't know if, how much of it was the blister and, and how much of it was just the layoff from uh, not pitching for two weeks in a competitive situation. But um, but he didn't have his good stuff. You know, you mentioned Elder. He's one of their possibilities and probably the likely guy mm-hmm. to start. But then there's Smith Shaver. You look yeah. at his numbers. <laughs> they're not much better. Yeah. In fact, they're probably worse. Mm-hmm. Um, he has really struggled. And then the other option for them is a bullpen game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Phillies have, have swung the bats pretty well against this Braves bullpen. It's not an elite bullpen. They're, they're good. And they've got some decent arms down there. But they're not the, a bullpen that you fear. Uh, trying, you know, get, and getting to. So, yeah, it, it's it's not good. Now, what helps the Braves is these days off because they're going to be able to get Strider back and, yep. and pitching again in this series um, if it, you know, because it's going to be extended. So they are going to see Spencer Strider again. And um, so that does, you know, help the Braves in that regard, although it helped the Phillies too because they were able to get Wheeler back and, and, and could actually have him pitch one more time in this series if needed. So, you know, for the Phillies, it'll be Nola game three, Ranger game four, and if needed, Wheeler game five. So right. that's, that's, a, that's a pretty good positive as well. Murph, real well. quick. Uh, last one for me. Um, I know I'm definitely getting ahead of myself with this question, but I have to ask you, right. You know, the Dodgers right now, they're down Oh, two to the Arizona Diamondbacks. I don't think any of us really saw that coming necessarily, but what do you think would be the best matchup for the Philadelphia Phillies in the NLCS um, when you think about the Dodgers and Arizona Diamondback situations, respectively. Yeah. Uh, Tony, if you'd asked me that question any day except for today, any day leading <laughs> up to it, I would have told you, I would have told you, give me Arizona every day of the week and twice on Sunday. But now I'm not so sure. I mean, Arizona does have two guys at the top of their rotation that are. Which changed? Really, I mean, I. It, I've changed. I, I, I'm now giving them the respect <laughs> they deserve. And, and I'm also looking at the Dodgers, and they're another team that's – They're a mess. Pitching is a mess. Yeah. It's a mess right now. And and so for that reason, I guess I would at this point say, let's go to L.A. But they've got some work <laughs> to do. You know, they've yeah. got some work to do to, to make respect. that happen. And um, I do think it's going to be Arizona at this point, which is a good thing because the Phils would be – if the Phils were to get there – they would be uh, have home field advantage, which yep. which is a great thing. We know what that means here in Philadelphia, but you know you're going to see Zach Gallon and Merrill Kelly at that point, uh, and 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 if they clinch early, if they're able to finish off the Dodgers tomorrow, they're going to have a chance to rest those guys and set them up for games yep. one and two. Uh, yep. Whereas the Phillies may not have that luxury. So you know it, it's, there's a lot going on. To, before we get there, uh, no I thought you were going to ask me about the parade route because I was ready to tell you where, where that was going to start. Too. Too, far too far ahead. Too far ahead. Okay, okay. <laughs> we, we just crossed the threshold of too far. Yes. Uh, Murph, you do a great job, man. I always yes, enjoy sir. listening to you on, on the pre and post game show uh, on WIP and the Phillies radio network as well. Keep up the good work. Thanks for jumping on for a couple minutes, man. Yeah, absolutely. Always Thank fun you, to Murph. be with you guys. I appreciate All it. Right. Thanks. Thanks, sure. Murph. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care. That is Greg Murphy. Uh, and again, uh, always insightful uh, to get some information and hang out with absolutely take on things. Uh, all right, Tone, we're going to get a timeout here. We've come back. We'll dive into the NFL. Uh, there's some some real injuries out there for some teams that are either rolling right now or really teetering on on sort of the brink of disaster, which we'll get into when we come back and a bunch of other NFL things uh, that we will cover 
when we return. Don't go anywhere. That's Tone to Shields. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, let me tell you about Flynn Tree Services. They are an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They offer cost-effective solutions to any tree problem that you may face, and they are experts at trimming all types of trees, and they serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, as well as northern Delaware. You can go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call, 610-850-2848, 610-850-2848, or online at flynntreeservices.com. That's Flynn treeservices.com own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 267-261-3428 my name is dr bruce grossinger and I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wolbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Appreciate you hanging with us. If you could hit the like button, friend. Uh, he is playing the field and 4D gun. Yes, sir. I, am Rob Wallace. What's up, I love that song, Rob. I love it. 
You like our song. you like our, our music? I love that song, man. It is good, man. It is. It gets me Gun going. It gets yeah. the people going. I, I think it does. I think it, I, and I, I never tire of hearing it. You know what I mean? Like I, I I'm never like, uh no, it's good, man. I agree with you. Uh Definitely. all right. So a couple things NFL-wise, some some biggies here uh from the injury list. So Justin Jefferson tone, they put him on the IR with that hamstring. Yeah, He's out four games. Now yeah. A, that's a big deal to begin with because you're talking about a great, great dominant type of player. But it's even worse when you're a Vikings team that's one in four. Like, that's a wrap for this season, man. Goodbye. If you ask me, yeah, definitely. definitely. I mean, what's, what's their schedule looking like coming up? Let me, let me pull it up really quickly because the Minnesota Vikings have been one of the bigger disappointments of the NFL season. So, okay, upcoming they have the Bears. Okay, maybe they can steal that one. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, maybe. But then they have the 49ers. That's a loss. They have Oof. the Packers. I think the Packers. I think the Packers win that game. Yep. Um, they have the Falcons. Um, maybe they can steal. Maybe they can steal that one. Uh, then they have the Saints. Uh, I think the Saints win that game. Then they got the Broncos. To where they look, anybody could take something from them. So you are. That's um, already like eight losses, nine losses. Yeah, they're, and, they're, and they're already and they're already behind the eight ball. So it's yeah. They're looking honestly. They're looking like a six win team if that the season. Yeah, you know that it's it's interesting. That's one of those divisions where I thought it was going to be pretty tight. Generally, um, but the more you watch and Green Bay lost last night to the Raiders, which we'll get to in a second. But the more you watch, Detroit's just going to run away with this thing. I mean, they've won three in a row. They're four and one. Second place is Green Bay at two and three. Then it's the Bears one and four Vikings one and four. This, this is the Lions in division in a cakewalk. Yeah, when was when was the last time the Lions won the division? Oh, dude, it's been a long time. That's a, that's a hell of a question, right? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, we're we're going back a long ways here. Probably did they get in with Stafford? Calvin Johnson was still around, maybe. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. Honestly, I don't even know. You know, so the last they time they won the division, uh, let's see. Or um, even got in the playoffs. Wow. The la- wow, this is gonna sound crazy. It says here the Lions' last division title came in 1993. Okay. Back okay. when it was the NFC Central, they have yeah. yet to, they have yet to win the North Division as it stands. But early yep. in the year, many believe this could be the one to do it. Yeah. And it's looking that way, man. They're going to run away with this thing. Yeah, they are. They they no doubt they are. Um, Two ninety three, Rob. Jeez. Yeah, dude. I mean, you weren't born yet. <laughs> yeah, I was, <laughs> I was like I was like one. Wink, wink. Um, oh man. Did I? I had something in my eye when I there for a second. All right. Um, no, beyond that, so that's a big one, obviously. Uh, Dallas, who you know, uh, a, a hideous game Sunday night, mm-hmm. beaten down by the 49ers. Leighton Vander Esch is out four to six weeks with the neck. At some point, if you're this guy, man, he's had chronic neck issues. Do you? Yeah. I feel like he's playing with fire, Tone. I, I, Absolutely, know. man. Think about Sean Lee. He retired early because yep. he just he, he just couldn't hack it anymore, man. Yeah. And, and that's no that's nothing against him. It's just yeah. It, it comes a point in time where you know I know you love the game and I, I I know you love the hustle. I know you love the grind, but man, your long term a neck injury like we're not talking about you know you keep tearing your ACL or something. You know we're not talking about that, even though that's terrible too. But yeah. when you start honestly, any injuries where you start to become neck up. If, I, I I start to pump the brakes on everything and put football to the side. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully, you know, uh, he can, you know, he can, you know, end up on the better side of this thing. Yeah. But in, but in terms of the division and what it means there, 
the Eagles already have a two-game lead on the division. They're 5-0. The next closest guys are the Dallas Cowboys at 3-2. and um, The Philadelphia Eagles have a chance to be able to run away with this division as well if the Dallas Cowboys can't figure things out. Right. Yeah. I mean, but they're God, there's so much time to, to tell, you know, with the with the hard yeah. part of the Eagles schedule coming up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're going we're gonna to find out a lot about this team after that bye week. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, all right. Uh, elsewhere around the NFL, this guy's been sort of like the out of nowhere surprise of the season so far. Devon Akane, the the running back for the Dolphins. Uh, this guy's been ridiculous, Tone, in terms of big play home run yeah. hitter. But uh, he's expected to miss a couple of weeks with a knee injury. And he may, in fact, go on injured reserve. So that that's that's a bummer, man. I mean, obviously, if you're the Eagles and you get them in two weeks, you, you're not too sad that you're not going to have to be facing this guy. But as a football fan, it's a shame to see somebody like this go down. Yeah, he's yeah he he's honestly looking like the most explosive running back in the NFL right now. Um, you know, 38 carries, 460 yards, five touchdowns, averaging 12 yards a carry through five games, and right now. He's on pace, if he was healthy, of course. He's on pace for over 1,500 rushing yards on just 129 carries. Have we ever seen that before? No. 1,500 rushing yards on 129 carries. That's, that's unheard of. Um, on top of that, you know, life is definitely easier when you got those guys like Tariq Hill and Jalen Waddle, man. But overall, man, he's playing a hell of a game, man. It sucks um, that he's down and out. But that actually, unfortunately, but it, unfortunately, but fortunately, it helps my fantasy team because I have Ryan Mostert. So he's going to get more touches. So um, Devon A. Chain, uh, get, get well soon. Uh, Raheem Mostert, I need you to turn up for me. Yeah, I, I agree with you with that. But that, that's a tough blow for sure. Yeah, um, beyond that, Anthony Richardson out with that shoulder against the Jags. It may be more yeah. than just this, but he's definitely going to miss this week. I, I'll tell you, um, Steichen did the smart thing. He brought Gardner Minshew there, a guy who knows the system, and he can just kind of plug him in. You know, allow allow others to to do their thing around him. So that from that, you're definitely going to miss Richardson. I'm not saying that, but he's got a guy who's competent at least to step in there as the uh, as the backup. Yeah, man, it's a uh, it's an AC joint sprain. Uh, they say he's definitely going to miss some time. Who knows what that means? Um, I don't know if they're going to put him on IR. But here's my thing, right, with Anthony Richardson. I actually, you know, I, I had a hot take before the season started. Uh, I said Anthony Richardson is going to have the better season out of all the rookie quarterbacks that were drafted. Um, it seemed like things were trending that way, but obviously CJ Stroud is just doing amazing things right now. Yeah. Um, Bryce Young, obviously he's the he he's the eye man now. You know, being you know yeah winless and it's yeah, been win, it, well, winless, but you know Anthony Richardson, man, they're going to have to figure out a way to try to keep this guy healthy, man, because earlier in the season it was a concussion, now it's a shoulder injury. You know, I don't you know, my fear is this turns into an Andrew Luck situation where the guy just can't stay healthy. And he just says, you know what? You know, maybe this, you know, maybe this is it, man. The, the coaches haven't had good luck at the quarterback position throughout the years. The Colts. No, they have not. No, you're you're right about that. I, that and that's the other thing, like it, as much as um, you definitely do worry about a guy like Bryce Young, who's small. This kind of stuff can affect even big quarterbacks, too. I mean, mm-hmm. Anthony Richardson is gigantic. Cam Newton was a big dude who took a lot of shots like. It's just it's some of it is you, you do have to be smart. Other things, it's just the NFL. You some things you can't avoid, you know. Yeah, I mean it's these, these are grown men. Yeah, and you know when you got a three hundred pounder falling on your shoulder, man. I mean, what do you expect to happen? Exactly, exactly. All right, just to stay on the injury thing, uh, real quick, James Conner uh, out with a knee. Um, he's expected to miss time uh, as well. Multiple weeks is what they're saying. 
Um, he's, he's, you know, obviously he's their, their sort of number one guy, but the injury happened on a 35 yard run in the second quarter after the game, Gaddon said his, his foot might've gotten stuck in the, in the ground when he was twisted in his knee on the knee anyway. So it looks like he's out. Um, he's had a good year for them. He's got 364 rushing yards and two touchdowns. So that that's a blow. You know, it's, it feels like the Cardinals, at least I'll give them this, not talented, but they're in every game, it seems like. Most of the games they play are pretty close. Yeah, yeah. Um, as much as I hate to do this, uh, I got to give respect to Gannon, man. He has his guys uh, playing hard, and I, you know, you, you see it, you see it in, in every week. One yeah. thing I will give them credit for, man. Um, they did, they, they did. It was solid. You know, they set the Cowboys back, and they exposed one of their biggest weaknesses in terms of stopping the run. Um, but in terms of James Conner, man, it sucks because that was a home game for them. And right. you, you said his, his foot or his cleat may have gotten stuck in the turf or something like that. Yeah. Um, the, that Arizona Cardinals turf needs Here to be, we go again. Needs, yeah. needs, to be, needs to be investigated, you know, and you know, I'm, I'm not one of those guys that, you know, that, that screams out on the hill about the turf versus grass. I mean, obviously I feel like grass is better for you, yeah. but I'm not one of those guys that's like, that's at, you know, at, at the, at the lead of the charge for that. Right. But the Arizona turf in particular, that turf needs to be investigated. Yep. That's that's my humble opinion. I agree with you. I agree with you. All right, elsewhere, uh, the Patriots say they are sticking with Mac Jones. Um, Belichick said as much after the game. Bill Bill O'Brien, the offensive coordinator, uh, said it also. It has been ugly, um, not just for him, but the entire team. Uh, but he will he will make the start Sunday against the uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. And basically, O'Brien said it's not about one guy. So Jones this year. Uh, 105 for 168, 1,008 yards, five touchdowns, six interceptions. Patriots are one and four. They're in last place in the AFC East. They have 10 turnovers, and they have the third highest total, which is the third highest total in the NFL. Uh, it, it's been bad. They've gone now uh, 34 consecutive offensive drives without a touchdown. That's the longest streak under Belichick, and Belichick's been the coach since 2000. Here's the problem, Tone. The backups are Bailey Zappi and Will Greer, and and Malik Cunningham's on the practice squad. Like, w- what are you really turning to here? You know, if you, if you I, did make a move, I gotta be honest, man. I don't like that they keep benching Matt Jones whenever they feel like it. You know, in game, in game I, you're saying, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fan of that. You know what I mean? It's he has to play through that. Yeah. And on top of that, let's let's really be honest about the Patriots. They didn't do him any favors in the offseason. You brought in Devontae Parker. Okay. But let's be honest. In your first five, matter of fact, let's, let's go through let's go through their draft picks here, right? Round one, you chose you chose Christian Gonzalez a corner. Okay, I can roll with that. But then round two, Keon White, defensive end. Round three, inside linebacker. Round four, center. Um uh round four, uh, round four again, um place kicker. Uh, fourth round guard, fourth, fifth round guard, and then you finally get to a wide receiver in the sixth round, and then you draft another one in the sixth. I mean, like, you want, like, they had to give Meg Jones a better chance at succeeding, man. And yeah. I, I just feel like there's no way Meg Jones goes from being a pro bowler the year before or his rookie year, and all of a sudden he's just for, he just forgot how to play football. Like, I, I'm, I, I'm not buying that. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I I don't know if it's Bill O'Brien. I don't know if it's Bill Belichick. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's the lack of weapons he has. But I think it's a combination of every. Honestly, I, I don't I don't think the, there's weapons. I don't think um, 
I don't like the line's very good. And I'm not sure Mac Jones is anything better than mediocre. You know, I don't know. It's all bad. I think he's better than what we've seen, though, right? I, I mean, how did he look pretty good as a rookie and he's looked this bad the last two years? That's my question. Uh, I honestly think they stunted his development in, um, in year two. When you yeah. bring in Matt Patricia as your OC, you're asking for trouble. I think that really damaged. I really, I, I, I think that really damaged some things with him in terms of development, man. I, yep. I don't know. I have no idea where their offensive line is ranked. I don't know if it's because of, I, I just don't. Their situation is so foreign to me. Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to pinpoint the exact issue. Yeah, I agree with him. Uh, Daniel Jones says that the neck injury he's dealing with is different than the ones he's had in previous uh, previous times. Different, uh, in a good way or bad way? Um. I guess it's better that it's not the same okay, thing. It's okay. not a recurring issue. I, I, I guess. I, I don't know. Um, he did. He was on with uh, Kay Adams on Up and Adams, and he said it's not the same as the one that ended his 2021 season. It's different than what I've dealt with in the past. He said just trying to heal up as fast as possible, follow the advice of the trainers and the doctors. He's hopeful that he'll play this week. Okay. I mean, uh, you know, they're they're also a teetering team. Right teetering. Now. They're they're drowning. <laughs> they, they, they're drowning man I, I i look at the new york giants and i and, and i i just see an organization that doesn't have direction they don't know what they want to do they don't know how they want to do it last year was a blip because they, it, it gave them the false sense of security it gave them yeah. a false sense of where they actually were and then on top of that i mean Kayvon Thibodeau, has he really been a high-impact player for them you know, consistently? Yeah. Um, and on top of that, their off-season, their off-season moves um, this past off-season was head-scratching. Like, you decided to trade for Dan Waller or tight end that cam and stay out the ice tub. And then on top of that, you picked up you picked up the contract. Then you pay Daniel Jones that amount of money you paid him instead of picking up the fifth-year option and then at least giving yourself another year to be able to make a decision. Yeah. Um, and then you go through the whole situation with Sigmon Barkley. And it's it, 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 they completely mismanaged their situation. Big time. And I think someone even said last year when they made the playoffs, someone said, look, this could actually end up being the worst thing that happened to them. And lo and behold, they're one and three. Well, one and four, excuse me. And I don't really see them getting out of that situation. I mean. Let's look at their schedule really quick you know, before we move on to the next uh, yeah. topic. Right. Yeah. They, they're at the Bills. Loss. Loss. They got a. They play the commanders at home. I think they're going to lose that game. Yeah, that could go um, either way, but yeah. Yeah, it, it could. It could. Um, and then they got the Jets. That can go either way, but I think yeah. that defense is going to going to play up. So I, honestly, and then they got the Raiders, Cowboys, Commanders, Patriots. So they can they can very well go either zero three in the next three games or one. I mean, I just I don't see the silver lining. They look like a they look like a, a six or five win team as well. I don't really see. Yeah, I don't really see how to stand. And then they still got to play the Eagles twice. So you might well, as well consider that as two losses. That's a good point. I mean, and the other thing is, like, when is Saquon coming back, and at what capacity is he going to be playing? If, if why, Saquon's why, why not would right, I, I, would, I would milk the injury. I would milk it. Like, I'll be honest. Like, why, why would I come back to this situation? Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. Um, Rams are looking to trade Van Jefferson. He's kind of the odd man out now. If you, if you look at it with Cup coming back, with what Puka Nakua's done, Atwell's really come on. Yeah. He's kind of that guy. You know, he was a second-round pick in 2020. He's in the last year of his rookie contract. 
you know, he had a good year. Uh, I guess his best season was 21, but he had 50 catches, 800 yards, six touchdowns. It's been quiet since then. Um, you know, his last 11 games, just 24 catches, 369 yards, three touchdowns. I, I would guess somebody might make a move for him. Somebody who needs a wide. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't mind seeing him as a third wide out here. Hmm. I wouldn't hate that at all. You know, uh, a guy like a guy like that, you know, when I really think about his situation, like you said, he he is dealing with, I mean, who saw Puka coming, right? Who saw right. Tutu Atwell coming? Um, but a guy like Van Jefferson, you know, just looking at his stats right now, um, like you said, his best season was 2021, but then 2022, 369 receiving yards. And this year, he only has 100. Um, 6'1", 200 pounds. Um, I, don't know if, I don't know if I would make a swing for him uh, because at the end of the day, it makes me question. I hate questioning the guys' work ethic because I don't know what they do in the offseason, you know, but I don't know, man. It's just a guy like that. I'm not solo making a move on him. I'm I'm not I'm I'm not entirely solo on it. I I just I don't think it's going to take much, um, you know, to acquire him. So I, I think he's he's because somebody I look at. He'll yeah. he'll been he'll be in a similar situation here, right? I mean, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, they're going to throw the ball to DeAndre Swift. Yeah. Where does he Where does he fit in? Yeah, I hear. You. I mean, I think that I I think part of it is how good the players are around him, but I think the other part is. Quez Watkins doesn't make plays when given the opportunity to make plays. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, another receiver who could be on the move, Miko Hardman. Jets are yeah. looking to move him. Only 25. He was inactive Sunday, has not been in the plans, despite a one-year $4 million deal that could get him up to 5.5. Uh, it just feels like, for whatever reason, he's kind of fallen out of favor. He's got one catch for six yards in four games. Wow. I'm Right? I mean, what happened there? Yeah, and it's not like it's not like the Jets are the deepest at receiver. I mean, they got they have they have one top tier receiver. Yeah, Wilson's a beast. Everybody yeah, else, and, is... and the, the rest are like C plus receivers, yeah. right? So it's kind of like how can you not break through? Which begs the question: What's the real issue? One yeah. one catch for six yards to four games. Have you fallen out of favor with the OC? Um, what's th- there's something more there? In my opinion, yes. Yeah. Well, you remember um, he had the pelvic injury, right? right. It, it missed the last nine games, I think. He he returned and he played in the AFC Championship game, but it, he re-injured it and sat out the Super Bowl. I wonder if that thing's still nagging him and he's just mm, not the same. That's a good point. Ha- you said hamstring, right? No, pelvic. He pelvic, sorry, pelvic, 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 sorry, pelvic. Yeah. Mm, that's, that, can, that, that can definitely mess with your ability to – you know, cut, get cut, hit. You know, get yeah. hit. You know, maybe they maybe they see him out there making too many uh, business decisions, and they're like, "No, nah, we can't have that." <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, listen, it could be uh, Jerry Jones on his, his radio show that he does each and every week on one hundred five three. Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, reiterated that Dak is his guy. I don't know if you saw this. So um, Dante Whitner, did you see this? Oh, you talking about after that game, right? Where oh he my was god! Just, so he was on. Oh Indiana. my. God, he NBC just... Sports Bay Area, and he they asked him about, hey, sum up this game and give me your analysis. He says Dak Prescott sucks. <laughs> it's like yeah. it, it was kind of like the uh, the Rodney Harrison when he was shredding uh, Zach Wilson a couple weeks ago. It's like, woof, okay. But, How do you really Ron, feel? Rodney Harrison's felt a little bit more personal. It did. Right? It did. Yeah. You know th- this go around with Dak. 
this felt more like just a, a, a God honest truth. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. the funniest part of that clip was when he was like, I don't see it. <laughs> I just don't see it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He said, he said, he said, they try to hide him. I don't see it. You know what I mean? Like, it's, did you it see? Feels like, it just doesn't it feel like with Dak in these big game moments, he reverts into that guy. Like he'll he'll tune up a you know a questionable defense, but man, yeah. in big he's spots, eight and three against the Eagles. He right? does or, have the Eagles no number, career. but he for does. some reason, you know, when it comes to like really showing up when it matters most, you know, how can you put stock in? Did you see? Did you see Ellison McCoy yesterday on uh on Speak? No, no. Oh my God, man! Like, <laughs> whenever you get the opportunity, okay. Why? Watch, watch yeah, Sean McCoy talking about and, and crushing the Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, it was hilarious. Okay, I'll, I will check it out. I'm not. I'm not surprised. Uh, that's that has been his mo. But yeah, I mean, Dallas doesn't have a, a, a lock this week either. They play the uh, the Chargers. The Chargers are weird. You never know what you're going to get with the Chargers, and it's they're there the in str- L.A. They're the strangest team to me because they're so talented, but it just seems like they they just can't get out of their own way ever. Um, yeah, man, the Chargers are right now. They're on a two-game winning streak. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're going to definitely see how this thing, you know, how, how how this thing turns out for sure, man. Um, I think they can lose that game if the if the if the Cowboys go down and they if what is it? Uh, what's their record? Two and three, three and two. Three and if they, three, if they, if they three lose three. that game, they're three and three. If they go three and three, and remember, yeah. we talk about this off air, right? These are the moments where the Philadelphia Eagles have to take a advantage right mm-hmm. cowboys are down bad you have to win your game against the jets so if the cowboys lose now you have a three game advantage you create a cushion for yourself so if they go to la they lose that game which they very well could or it could be one of those situations where they overcorrect and they just all their issues. you know what i mean like you know how something goes yeah. so bad for you yeah, before yeah. you, you kind of just flip the script I think that's kind of it's a, it could potentially happen that way, but the Chargers are a good team nonetheless. I think they're just poorly coached, so we'll see what happens. But I'm praying they go down three and three. Oh, no, listen, uh, so am I. But if that's the case, then all of a sudden, man, it's another division that we thought was going to be neck and neck. I, I don't know. I, I, like if you're asking me right now, I think the Cowboys probably bounce back. I, I don't think there's a hangover effect. Uh, you know, it's a losing last week to San Fran. I think I don't know. Did they stay out in LA? I'm not even sure if they did or not. But I, I or in California because they were in San Fran. Now they're now they're in LA. I don't know. But either way, um, yeah. I mean, you, you think about it. I started looking at these divisions just just based off of you know this discussion. So you look at it in the NFC right now. Eagles could maybe have a two game cushion uh, if they could win this week. Uh, well, actually, they do have a two game cushion. They could have a th- actually tone. They could have a three game cushion. Right. They, right, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. They can have a three-game cushion if, yeah, if yeah, Dallas no, you're loses. Right. And... No, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. My, my bad. I was just saying, like, you but, know, but, yeah, but they can have a – Real quick, the North, the North, you get – Detroit's four and one. They could take a pretty, you yep. know, good lead. Um, I, the South's going to stay tight enough, I think, between New Orleans and Atlanta and, and Tampa. I think that one's going to stay tight. Um I don't know, man. Can Seattle keep pace with San Fran? Probably not, but I think they could cement themselves as the number two in that division. They would have to hope for a San Fran loss somewhere because, I mean, they're not – it's not like they're completely out of it. But, I, just, yeah. I mean, I think Fort Niners are going to win that division. But, you know, they're – it's not like they're where the Cowboys are, right? Uh, the 49ers, well, 49ers, they play the Browns next. Even though yes. the 49ers have been on the tear, they, they could potentially lose to the Browns if Deshaun Watson plays. If – that's a big yeah. if. Yeah, we still don't um, know yet. 
Yeah. They can lose that game. I mean, the Bengals are coming back on. They could potentially lose the number as well. Um, right. they're going to beat the Vikings. That's not a question. Um, yep. and, and and then with the uh with the, with the uh, Seahawks, I mean, their schedule was this, right? They, they got the Bengals coming up, then they got the Cardinals, Browns, and Ravens. I mean, that's a that's a pretty fascinating stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, with especially with the Bengals coming back on. So, you know, we'll see how this thing turns out, but I mean, I think the 49ers ultimately win that division. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have two injuries I forgot to mention. Um, Matt Milano out for the year uh, with a broken leg. Yeah, that sucks, man. That sucks. Yeah. And Daquan Jones out indefinitely. That's two big time blows, man, for them. I know they're getting Von Miller back, but that's two massive blows for the Bills. Absolutely. You know, in that division, we can deal with that Dolphins team. That's tough. That's a. That is really, really tough. Uh, yeah, and and, and and the and the Bills were coming on too, and that defense has been really stout. So you, Matt Milano was what their middle linebacker, right? Yeah, yeah, man, that's a big loss. That yep. you know that change that, that changes the way your defense just operates. So yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's going to be interesting to see how you know how 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 they how they bounce back from that loss. How much did you did you catch any of the Monday night game, or were you too locked in on the Phillies? Yeah, um, I, I I clipped back and forth, um, but I wasn't really too fascinated with the matchup, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those games where I don't think either team really shined, frankly. Um, yeah. I mean, credit credit to the Raiders. They got one they had to get at home. I mean, that's really yeah. what it was, what it came down to. Yeah, I mean, I, the Raiders, I think they made a poor hire in, in Josh McDaniels. I agree. Um, and they just haven't realized it yet. <laughs> well, so. You know, last night it was fourth and one. He had an opportunity to put the game away. He goes for a field goal, and they and they miss it. I hated the decision to begin with, but he goes for a field goal. They miss it. You, you gave Green Bay every chance to win that game. Now it didn't end up happening, and you won. But I'm not overlooking it. I thought it was. I thought he coached scared. I thought it was weak. I, I really. I thought it was just bad. Bad coaching. Yeah, and I mean Green Bay. You know, I'm not looking to them to really be world beaters right now. Green Bay, they have a new quarterback. You know, they're still working out the kinks with that situation. So I didn't expect Green Bay to be, you know, world beaters at all. Um, they started off well. But, I mean, this is what happens when you have a young quarterback who's still figuring it out. You know, you're going to have those stretches where you think, you know, oh, he maybe he maybe he's the guy. Then, you know, you're going to have these stretches where it's like, uh, I don't know. So they're still figuring some things out over there. I'm, I'm not really, you know, in my opinion, I feel, I feel like the Raiders should be further along than what they are rather than the Green Bay Packers. I mean, they're still recovering from the Aaron Rodgers loss. Yeah, you feel like with the Raiders, like they're 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 more built to win right now. Green Bay's a building team. I mean, you see it with the quarterback spot, with the receiver spot. They're really mm-hmm. really young. Right. Um, you, you know, some a good amount of pieces on the well, not everybody, but a good amount. It was playing well for them. Rudy Ford, remember him? Yeah. Former Eagles special teamer. Rudy Ford was good. I like Rudy Ford. He's playing like a good. He's playing safety and playing it very well. Hey, kudos to him, man. Hopefully, he gets a big contract out of that. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, let's get a timeout. Let's come back. We'll talk some Sixers. You and I haven't had the opportunity to talk some Sixers. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we'll do some <laughs> when we get back, we'll do some birthdays. We'll do some movies, we'll do all those kind of things. When we get back, don't go. And we'll circle back to the Eagles also. Don't go anywhere. He's Tone. I am Rob. We are Sports Take. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. 
At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soga now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. We're back. Yes, we are. Final segment of the show. Appreciate you hanging. Again, if you couldn't smash that like button, friends, uh, we would appreciate that. That's Tone. I am Rob. All right. So um, here's the question. Sixers. I'm not even asking you for an outlook on the season. Excitement level, gauging it from one to 10 tone, where would you put it on the scale? Excitement level for the 2023-24 season. Uh, Maybe a three, Mm. three or four, maybe. I mean, look, here's here's how I got to this point. Here's how I got to this juncture, you guys. This offseason has been extremely underwhelming and it's been exhausting because we've seen so much drama unfold between James Harden and upper management, in particular, Daryl Morey. Um, it's just we, 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 I have no idea what direction this team is going in. And then on top of that, you see your you see your you see your Eastern. You see your Eastern Conference rival continuing to push the Envelope and get better. You know, Boston Celtics just brought in Drew Holiday. You know, they brought in Kristaps Porzingis, even though I don't trust his health, but they still took a shot, right? Um, the Bucks traded for Damian Lillard. Like, 
where do the Sixers fit into this equation? This is a this is this is this is like the NFC East, right? It's a two team race. Like, like there's like there's no. I, I look at the Sixers right now. I see no direction. I see no reason. I see no reason why we should trust them in any capacity. If I'm and if I'm looking forward to anything, I'm looking forward to seeing Tyrese Maxey break out and be unleashed. That's what I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Even Joel Embiid, man. I'm not like I'm not even ex- like Joel Embiid. I'm not even really excited to see him play. If I'm being honest, it's just like okay, what else can he show me? Like what else can Joel Embiid give me to make me feel like oh yeah, this is going to be the year. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, I don't see it. So, you know, even if Joel Embiid has an amazing season, which I expect him to do so, but I mean, yeah, the second round, then talk to me, man. Well, yeah. So it, it's strange in that you got a guy coming off an MVP season, and it's just kind of like, all right, I don't know, whatever. Doesn't, he, doesn't you, even well, feel like it a guy coming off an MVP. You have a new head coach, right? Um, yet I think people are not only, I don't know, turned off. They're, they're almost like bordering on angry with this team. Like it, it's not just indifference. Like you're kind of indifferent, I think. Right. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, but you're just kind of like, eh, there are people that are like, you know what? I saw what the Bucks did. I saw what the Celtics did. I see the, you know, Cleveland or the Knicks, you know, all come here and I see a Sixers team that just looks the same to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I don't see them responding to what's going on around the Cavaliers them. Cavaliers face the Knicks on October thirty first, two thousand twenty. Oh, what was that? I don't know what that was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I came from your end. <laughs> Sorry, but um, but no, but nonetheless though, um, I don't see I don't see a team that's trying to hit a home run. I don't see a team that's fighting for a championship right now. Right? We keep being sold these dreams or these. Uh, we, 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 we keep being sold this vision by Darren. You know, you know, we're, we're working hard. You know, it, it, it takes a lot of things to come together, you know, for us to build this championship roster. We're putting in the work. I don't see it. I do not see it. I don't even, I, I honestly don't even see free agents clamoring to come play here because they understand that this, 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 this team is not serious. And I'm always the one to say it starts from the top down. You know, when you got a guy like Josh Harris who owns the Philadelphia 76, all he cares about is breaking even and making sure he gets a return on his investment. He doesn't care about winning championships. It, a championship is just a byproduct or it, it's just a plus. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, you know, it's it's like it's like you it's it, it, it's it's like taking a girl to prom, right? And you know, you thought she was going to say no, but she ended up saying yeah. And then you know what? You're just happy to be there with her. And yeah. then all of a sudden, she gives you a kiss on the cheek at the end of the night. It's like, oh, it's a bonus. I didn't expect this, but it happened. That's how Josh Harris is with the Sixers, right? He just, you know, he has he has this team, and it's like, you know, as long as they just win just enough games, as long as people keep turning out, I don't care what happens. Yeah. Like he doesn't have any pride. And by him purchasing the Commanders, that tells me everything I need to know. Yeah, I, I, right. And, well, and he, he he owns the Devils. He owns the Commanders. It's He's like, a venture capitalist. He doesn't care anything right, about right. winning. It's games. a business investment. It is. It, it may be a little bit more personal for him for, for the Commanders because he's from that area. Maybe, but I think I think the other franchises in terms of sports that he owns are very much business transactions. Doesn't mean he's not you know he hasn't spent some money or anything like that. But I don't know that it holds the same personal stake. Let's let's put it that way. Certainly, it could line his pockets more if they win more. So I'm sure they. They definitely want to win more. But, yeah, I mean, look, I, I rarely feel this way about – I can't remember the last time I felt this way about the Sixers, but I, I'm 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 in a similar boat that you're in. I'm like, all right. Uh, yeah, like last night they had – or 
yeah, two nights ago they had a preseason game against Boston. Embiid, Harden, you know, Cork Moss, I think, didn't play. And it was kind of like, all right, you know, I'll tell you the other crazy thing. You know, Max good, you know. Yeah. No, I was just saying, Max looked good. That's he funny. did. Maxi and uh, Springer look pretty good. The other thing is, do you believe the Flyers actually start real games Thursday? No, that's like flying under the radar. Isn't that crazy, man? I'm excited to see their rookie play. I forget his name. It's like really long. It's like complicated. But yeah, I'm really excited to see their first round of play, man. You know, I want the Flyers to be good, right? Because I be good, like really badly, but. No, I mean, you want them to be relevant again. Yeah, that's what I want. That's exactly what I want. want. Just be relevant and get our interest back. I think there's a generation of, of, of sports fans that don't even know what it's like for the Flyers to be a competitive team. I mean, the last time they made a deep playoff run was 2010 when they won the Cup. So you talking about 13 years yeah. ago? I was in high school at that time, yeah. man. I was uh, I think I was a freshman in high school, man. I remember that. I, I remember that time because uh, I think they like didn't they come back from being down what like oh three in a series or something like that. I can't remember what it was, but they were down bad. Yeah, I think we lost Rob there for a second, you guys, if, if I'm not mistaken. But you know, uh, Rob, you there, my friend? Okay, I think we lost Rob, you guys. But um, yeah, you know the bottom line is, man, Philly sports. You know the way the the way this thing is set up. You know it's 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 so important for our teams to be relevant because if they're not, you guys know exactly how we can get in Philadelphia. Like 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 time where the Philadelphia Eagles weren't relevant. Think of think think about that brief window in time where we lost. Uh, you know we traded. That right, the four eleven, the four eleven in one season. Like, think about that. That was a that was a rough time for Philadelphia. So Philly sports right now, we have we have the Eagles that are relevant. We have the Phillies who are relevant. That's it. That's it. But the reality is, those are the only two teams that we really care about in Philadelphia: Eagles and Phillies. It's just that simple. The Sixers don't become close. The Flyers, I'm not even mad at the Flyers because they're trying to figure things out. They're going through an entire rebuild, right? But the Sixers, they keep teasing us. That's my biggest problem with the Sixers. They continue to tease us. They continue to they continue to make us feel like this team, this team has a chance. And we keep falling for the same trick. We keep falling for the same banana in the tailpipe. You know what I'm saying? Like the Sixers are a team that's been sit. Look, man, I'm about to go off on a tangent. I can't wait. The Sixers, I'm sorry. I'm I'm gonna say it. They still they're stealing our money. They're stealing our money every single year because we know what's gonna happen with this team, right? I know you guys it's happy because it's black and it matches my outfit most of the times. You know what I'm saying? I don't worry. Like, like the Sixers are one of the most frustrating teams to watch because they make you think they're good. They make you think you should care. But in reality, why should we? 
Why should we go to the games? Why should we continue to spend money? If it's, if, if we, it's a foregone conclusion. We know how the story ends, right? We know how the story ends. So there's no reason why we should ever, ever try to put all our stock into the Sixers basket. We know how the story ends. Yes. Agreed. I'm back. Hi. Sixers got me. They got me. <laughs> Josh, Josh Harris pulled the plug on you. Somebody said enough of you. Now I'm back. I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on. I'm surprised they didn't pull me off. They tried, though, but I still, but I weathered the storm. They tried. That's right. That's right. Um, no, but I, I agree. I, and I think it's we're, – we're in a – look, anytime you have an undefeated football team and you have a baseball team that's, you know, making a playoff move here, Obviously, you know, you're, yeah, you're talking was in the about World it. Series last year as well. Let's not forget that they were in the World Series last year and they right. had a good chance of getting back. It's the, I, I was telling the people, Rob, and you tell yeah. me if you agree or disagree, right? I yeah. feel like I feel like the Sixers are stealing our money. I, feel, I, 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 I really feel that way. Well, you know what I think it is, Tone? I think people feel like they 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 gave so much unconditional love to this team because they were willing to go through the process because they, you know, they were going to. Just, just buy into whatever it was that there had to be a payoff on the back end. All right, I'm going to scratch your back. You got to make sure you scratch my back. And what it looks like to a lot of people is you got about as far as you got before you started all this kind of thing. And I really wasted my time. And I think that that frustrates a lot of people. I, I think that's really what it is more than anything else is just the fact that they went through all of that. And, and it was rare like Philadelphians usually won't tolerate losing like that. And they were willing to tolerate it because they thought it was a good plan. And it just, it didn't come to fruition. There was a lot of mistakes made along the way, a lot of them. And yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just at a point now where when it comes to the Sixers, I don't really, I don't really care about them. Um, I was, t- I was telling the people, you know, when, when you had to cut out, yep. you know, yes, I have a Sixers hat on, but I only wear this hat because it's black it matches my outfit. Like, <laughs> I, I could care less about the Sixers right now. Like I just, yeah. I just don't care. I'm at a point now where I care more about certain players. I care about Tyrese Maxey's success, right? Yeah. You know, um, Joel Embiid. I, I'm at a point where I've kind of fallen out of favor with him. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I honestly, my favorite Sixer right now is Tyrese Maxey, and that's about it. <laughs> that's well, really yeah. Good, I mean, Maxey's impossible not to love, right? I mean, so uh, definitely with Maxey. But yeah, I agree with you. Like you. you Harden's not a likable sort. Tobias Harris is a good guy, but you kind of feel like I like Tobias. I, I, yeah. I like him, but you know he, he's he is who he is. And yeah, there's a max like, on him. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think even with Joel, like I just get a sense that, and he said all the right things. Don't get me wrong, but. I can't imagine that they're not a either mediocre year away or an early playoff loss away from him wanting to change scenery. And you know what? Like, I don't fully blame him either. You know, I think he feels like we've he, taken this as far as we can he take He has it. one foot out the door already. I'm telling you. He already has one foot out the door. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think he has for sure. Uh, all right. Eagles-wise. And we were talking a lot of Eagles early in the show. We were looking at the good, the bad, what we've seen so far. All right. If I had to say to you one thing that surprised you the most – it could be either way. What has surprised you most about this Eagles team? Positive, negative, whatever. And hard to find a lot of negatives, granted. They're five and oh. But what would it be for you? Oh, that's a good question. What surprised me the most about this Philadelphia Eagles team in this season? Five and no record. Um All right, I'll let you think. I, I would go live. I'm surprised. Yeah. Okay. See, I wanted to say that, but I kind of said that earlier. So I yeah. didn't want to I didn't want to repeat myself. Okay. 
Um, but I guess you know what? I'm surprised. I'm kind of surprised how many injuries have really afflicted them this early. Mm. You know what I mean? I kind of mm-hmm. I kind of thought it would I kind of thought it a little further before they got to that point, but game one, you lose Devontae Maddox. Game one, you lose Nicole Dean. I mean, it's it just it, it just it just seems like you know they've completely it just seems like the injury bug is, is, is really starting to take its toll on them. But, I mean, it's not just them. It's it's the entire NFL, man. There's, there's injuries all over the place. Um, another thing that surprised me is, um, I think somebody said it in the live chat, um, just how stout they are on run defense. Like, like they're more stout than what I thought. Yeah. You know, it's it's really – it's. I mean, I understand they have the talent up there. They got the, they got the bodies. But, you know, I didn't expect them to really flip the script the way they did. They went from being one of the worst teams that stopped the run to being one of the best. It did yeah. shock me. I, I think you're right. I mean, anytime you're counting on two really young guys. Yeah, to, good point. Like, Very know, good to point. be that good, to step up the way that they have is surprising. I agree with you. Sure. And they, bec- oh. they become, you okay? Yeah, I got you. They become, you know, honestly, right now, they're the best run defense in football. And I don't, unless someone gets hurt, I don't see that changing because they are that good. That surprised me. And the flip side is, I thought they would struggle on pass defense, but I didn't think they'd struggle to this degree. Like, I didn't think they'd be the 25th ranked team against the pass. They went from first to 25th. I thought they'd be middle of the road. Um, and I think what it, what it tells you is a couple things. I think they were there. I think the good news is we saw some adjust, adjustments made at halftime. Maybe there's some things that we carry over here. And the, and the fact that Bradley Roby stepped in and played. Uh, in in the nickel at least gives you something. But I think we're missing, um, when you're looking at this team, I think they're missing uh, Avante Maddox more than we thought. Um, I think that the safety spot beyond Reed Blankenship is really a coin toss, and and that's very much up in the air. And that's an area they're going to have to improve. I would say most of my surprises, and the pleasant one is the special teams, but as far as the offense goes, I'm not really shocked at anything offensively. Are you? No, no. If, if anything, if anything, I'm shocked that the red zone efficiency is as bad as it is. Yeah. Um. That's that. that that's the biggest takeaway from the offense, as far as being shocked. I mean, and oh, Kevin, Kevin Savard, very good point. I feel like tackling has gotten better. Yeah. Like, you know, last year the Eagles, even though they were one of the best defenses, they were one of the worst teams in terms of tackling goes for the past couple of years. Right. Tackling, tackling looks like it's not an issue. You don't really see the Eagles. You don't really see too many uh, opponents breaking tackles. Yeah, uh, on the Philadelphia Eagles, like you know, I mean, I mean, if, if a player breaks a big play, it's not because they broke a tackle; it's because maybe they just didn't get touched. But for the most part, whenever these Philadelphia Eagles get their hands on you, you pretty much go into the turf. So that's yeah. a good pull, Kevin Savard. Um, really good pull by you. I think tackling has gotten better as well. I think that was a pleasant surprise. No, I think it's true. I think it's true. I, look, they're one of two undefeated teams. The thing is, if we're being honest with ourselves, the Niners have looked dominant, right? I mean, they, right. It, it feels like I know they played a couple of close games. Close-ish kind of games, but they've been dominant, and the Eagles have found ways to win. Right? Oh now. man, uh, Twiz uh, supposed being gone, Rob. That's the surprise. <laughs> supposed, yeah, I, it is a little surprising, frankly. Uh, oh man, but, but yeah, I mean, I I think that the the way people are viewing the NFC is, oh man, it's the Niners all day, and that's fine. I mean, look, the Niners are. Let them think that. No, I, I'm with you. Like that's a good thing. Let, let do a little, you know, dog mask kind of, kind of under the radar thing, and that's okay. It really is. It hasn't been a work of art for the Eagles so far. It has for the Niners. 
but that doesn't mean that's not what it's going to look like, especially when they face each other December 3rd or once the playoffs come. But that's the difference between the two 5-0 and o teams. One is really, I think, brought it every week, and the Eagles are figuring it out as they go. But here's the thing, right? You know, there is such thing as uh, shooting your load too soon. You know, there is yeah. such thing as, uh, you know, burning, you know, burning hot. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, 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 you know, you you, you can you can you can fizzle out. You know what I mean? You can fizzle yeah. out. You know, by burning hot like that early. You know what I mean? Um, and also they're throwing everything in the kitchen sink at their opponents offensively, um, and they're using Christian McCaffrey like he doesn't have an injury history. So. Yeah. Yeah, you know we're gonna see how this thing pans out, man. Because the Niners' injuries have always plagued them when it, you know when it matters most. So we'll see how this thing turns out, man. Yeah, sure. no question. All right, let's do some uh, some birthdays. I'll fire fire some birthdays and some movies your way. Uh, all right, we will begin with uh, Brett Favre. Brett Favre, fifty four. You know, oh wow, yeah, fifty four today. They were showing some highlights. Remember the game where his father passed away? I guess the day or two before, and then he went off on a Monday night game. Uh, he he went know, crazy on that game. Yeah, so I'm watching that, and I, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just so turned off by the whole welfare scandal that I just can't. Can't look at what I'm saying. No, I can't. You ever have that with 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 athletes or or actors? Like you just kind of like you know what? I'm yeah. Sort of done with you. Not that I was yeah. just some gigantic far fan, but I'm just turned off. No, I know, I know, I know, I know what you mean. Um, I'm trying to think the last person I felt that with, uh, but. I know exactly what you're what you're talking about. It's like it's just some it's it's like you can't look at them the same. Like it's it's sometimes it's easy to separate the art from the person, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or separate, you know, the, the play from state. the person. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it's easy, right? But we, we tend to do that with people we like. Yeah. You no, know, but what happens when what happens when someone turns into someone we don't like? You know what yeah. I mean? Like and, yeah. and and I'm I'm with you, man. Brett Favre, his in my opinion, his legacy is tarnished to me. I mean. I don't when I when I heard about that story with with the welfare stuff, I was like, "You you sicko!" You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, you're taking from the again alleged. We'll, we'll see what ends up happening. But anyway, all right. Uh, Dan Stevens, uh, actor, is 41. Mario Lopez, actor, host, is 50. Mario Lopez has an age a day. Oh no, he that, that guy looks the same as he did on Saved by the Bell, man, 30 years ago. It's crazy. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Is 49 years old today. Uh, David Lee Roth, Van Halen fame, is 69. Chris Penn, who was the brother of Sean Penn, passed away. Uh, he was born in 1965. Maya is 44 today. Uh, uh, yep. Wendy, oh. Wendy, oh, yeah. Uh, Wendy <laughs> McClendon uh, Covey, she plays the mother in the Goldbergs, and she was also in Bridesmaids. She was the blonde haired one. She's very funny. Any relation, any, any relation to Brent Covey? I don't know. I think we need to find that out. Uh, <laughs> singer uh, Tanya Tucker is 65. Uh, also, uh, singer John Prine was born on this day in 1946. Thelonious Monk, the great musician, was born on this day in 1917. Uh, Jody Lynn O'Keefe, the actress, is 45. Today, Bradley Whitford uh, is 64 today. Ben Vereen, 77. Peter Coyote, who does a lot of the voiceover work uh, for Ken Burns. If you ever watch a, a PBS documentary on like Vietnam or whatever, the guy who okay. does a lot of his voice work is, is Peter Coyote. He's, he's got a great voice. Okay. Uh, Gino Smith is 33 today. Oh, wow. Happy birthday, yep. Gino. Andrew McCutcheon, Kutch, 37 today. Uh, Troy Tulowitzki, uh, retired shortstop, had a very good career in Major League Baseball, is 39 today. 
Uh, I'm gonna go movies, Tone. Let's do some movies. Okay. Uh, how about uh, how about a uh, Kill Bill Volume One? One of my favorites. Yeah, one of one my I... favorite movies ever. It's, it's yeah. certain movies that whenever they're on, I'm yes. stopping everything and I'm watching. Same. I'm, that, I'm that's same that's one of those movies. I love that movie. Uh, Whiplash was this day. You ever see that? That's intense, man. Whoa. Whiplash, Whiplash, Whiplash. Whiplash is J.K. Simons and Miles Teller. And I love J.K. I, oh, wait. Is, is that the movie with – um? They're, they're, they're musicians. And, yeah, he's uh, the drummer, and this dude is an uber-intense teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's, there's a scene where he smacked him. I was like, whoa. Oh, oh he snapped, <laughs> dude, and he lost his mind. Yep. Oh, uh, Bo- Boogie Nights, 1997. Okay. Um, uh, the Judge, which was uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Robert Duvall, right. ni- uh, 2014, and Private Benjamin, 1980. Dr- uh, Dracula Untold. Dracula Untold yep. is, a, is a really good movie. Um, I really enjoyed that. Uh-huh. Uh, Addicted in 2014. House of the Dead, 2003. Body of Lies with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. That's a good one, too. Yep. Yeah. He's got a new one coming out with... Um, De Niro that Scorsese directed. Which yeah, it's called it's called the uh, something flower. Uh, it's, yeah, it, it's about it's about how the uh, the government was trying to uh, infiltrate. Uh, I believe like a Native American settlement, something like that. And yes. they were trying to and they were trying to like, like extract oil. But every yes. time they sent people, every time they sent Americans in there, they would never come back out. Yeah, yeah. Interestingly <laughs> enough, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. And then like there, there's a clip. I, I think there's a scene or a clip where um. Uh, you know, they show up on Leonardo DiCaprio's doorstep and they say, you know, um, we sent some people out here, you know, where are they? And they, they yeah. were like, you know, well, what makes you think we would know where they are? I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> meanwhile, they're burying people in the damn backyard. And- <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Uh, it looks we, good. It looks good. I know. We got to roll, man. It was fun. Oh, uh, man. Thanks. Time flies, man. Yeah. Thanks to everybody. Good job jumping in there today, Tony. Appreciate it. Appreciate you, man. Um, Thanks, and producing it. Uh, thanks to everybody in the chat. Everybody streaming and listening. You guys are the best. Uh, Coming up, we have the National Football Show with Dan Cilio, so you don't want to go anywhere. Uh, Derek back tomorrow, so we will continue getting you set for the Eagles and the Jets and also preview game three tomorrow between the Phillies and the Braves, NLDS. All right, everybody, have a great rest of your Tuesday. Tone, appreciate it. We will see you guys then. Thanks. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.